Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I also eat pancakes for dinner. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. It's a me, Nostalgia Bait. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. As the only one of us who's actually the son of a mustachioed Italian plumber, I think I'm uniquely qualified for this episode. Excellent. Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, we're really excited about having Christian Spicer join us for that review, so be sure to stick around and listen to us talk about Illumination Entertainment's take on the classic video game character. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where this month we will be discussing all the Evil Dead movies on the After Dark. You can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks over at patreon.com slash film podcast and be sure to find us also on uh twitter youtube and instagram at the filmcast pod find us on tiktok at the filmcast where we're posting new videos every single week uh really appreciate finding folks on those platforms before we get into what we've been watching today uh i want to mention a couple of film news items first of all star wars celebration happened this week and you know let me take us back in time uh, a little bit uh, a few a few months ago, uh, a while ago, last year, I think it was, there was news breaking that Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson were working together with Charmaine Obeid Chinoy, mm -hmm. uh, writing a new Star Wars movie. In March of 2023, so about a month ago, uh, the news broke that Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson were no longer attached to that movie. Now, uh, at the time, Jeff Kanata, you said, your attitude could basically be summed up as, why are we even talking about this, David? <laughs> it is so early. <laughs> um, and uh, you were vindicated because, <laughs> you know, Damon Lindelof and uh, Justin Brick Gibson eventually left the project. Um, however, the movie will still happen for, for you know, it, with details I will get into momentarily. I do want to mention that Damon Lindelof gave an interview to, I think it was SlashFilm.com where he talked about why he, he he vaguely alluded to why things didn't work out with that movie. And I thought the, uh, the quote was very interesting because Damon Lindelof gives great interview. He says, quote, uh, I will just say for reasons that I can't get into on this Saturday morning on this day, the degree of difficulty is extremely, extremely high. If it can't be great, it shouldn't exist. That's all I'll say, because I have the same association with Star Wars as you do, which is it's the first movie I saw sitting in my dad's lap four years old, May of 1977. I think it's possible that sometimes when you hold something in such high reverence and esteem, you start to get in the kitchen and you just go, maybe I shouldn't be cooking. Maybe I should just be eating. Mm -hmm. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. End quote. Anyway, I thought that was a great quote. It's like, so great. Maybe I shouldn't be cooking. Then, you know? I like the uh, if you know, if it's Star Wars, if it can't be great. It shouldn't exist, contrary to most of the Star Wars things we've seen <laughs> in the world. At Star Wars Celebration 2023, it was announced that there will be three new Star Wars movies. Specifically, uh, the movies will be directed by James Mangold, director of Logan and the new Indiana Jones movie, Dave Filoni, uh, who's behind The Mandalorian, and Charmaine Obey Chinoy, who's done episodes of Miss Marvel. Um, so that movie is still happening, just without uh, Damon Lindelof and uh, Justin Brick Gibson. And, and when I say still happening, I mean, as of right now, who knows what's going to happen? Because mm -hmm. something that Star Wars has done a lot 
is announce movies that don't happen. That's right. Yeah. Remember yeah. when Ryan Johnson was going to make a trilogy? Remember there when? Was, yeah, Kathleen Kennedy has like he's not working on that. But yeah, those, thing. all those yeah. uh, Star Wars movies by the Game of Thrones dudes. Yeah, where the Game of Thrones guys are going to make the Star Wars movies. So in the latest announcement of Star Wars movies that may or may not happen, here we go. James, I'm reading here from StarWars.com. James Mangold's movie will go back to the Dawn of the Jedi, while Dave Filoni's will focus on the New Republic and close out the interconnected stories told in The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Ahsoka and other Disney Plus series. Charmaine Obed Chinoy's film will be set after the events of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker and feature Daisy Ridley back as Rey as she builds a new world order. Huh. End quote. Now, I gotta say... I'm not excited about two of those three movies, specifically really? like the idea of Daisy Ridley as Rey. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. building a new Jedi Order. Uh, <laughs> Nothing was wrong with the last one, right? The yeah. Jedi, the Jedi no kind of suck. I think is is something that we've been shown. Like right. If if that is the thesis of that movie, of is Rey is somebody who was like both trying to balance the dark and the light in her. That could be kind of interesting. But yeah, it's yeah, it's really so, mm-hmm. so, so Devendra, when I when I read all that stuff I just said those three movies which by the way uh-huh. I asked Peter Serena slightly before we started this podcast like are they going to be released theatrically because no at no point in this uh, announcement does it say like are these going to go straight to Disney Plus or are they going to be released theatrically apparently Kathleen Kennedy has said they will be theatrically released in interviews but uh, there was no official announcement of that so. Yeah. Who knows? If these movies even do that. if yeah. these movies even happen, it's very possible they could go straight to Disney Plus. We don't it just know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah, there's yeah. you're gonna make a billion dollars if you put out a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like, and uh, so of these, by the way, the James Mangold one, I sure hope that happens because the idea is what it's it's the it's the beginning of the Jedi, the beginning of like finding the Force. It's like twenty five thousand years in the past, and that that is what we've been asking for. Let's just like away from these bloodlines, away from all these other movies. Like let's let somebody who has shown a spark for genre stuff like Mangold with Logan. Uh, You guys probably have not seen that new Indiana Jones trailer, but it looks like a ton of fun. Has a terrible title, but I think Mangold has got is onto something. I will say, if he manages to hit Indiana Jones with Dial of Destiny out of the park, that's like that's going to be two out of three, or you know, two out of upcoming three, basically, where he will have taken a beloved property. Um, that has had mixed entries mm-hmm. and then delivered something that's really satisfying to kind of cap it off. Uh, uh, you know, that's uh, that will be very compelling. Be, I, like, and, Lo- but, Logan, yeah. I thought was brilliant. Jeff, I know you weren't as big of a fan of it, but yeah. like, I thought Logan was brilliant and kind of a really interesting look at that character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so if he can do Logan and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, it's like, oh, yeah. then this guy can, de- Logan's not a fluke. He can play in this space and and deliver something really creatively interesting yeah we'll see we'll see so i'm excited about that one as well the the, my favorite thing is the way he's talking about it describing Mm -hmm. it as you know the ten commandments or like sort of a biblical Mm. epic yeah um not because i love biblical epics but because i i like the idea of people uh, uh, approaching the star wars universe as different kinds of subgenre films within it. You know, it, in the same way that Marvel movies are often described as like, oh, this one's going to be the sort of 70s espionage movie, and this one's going to be the big wacky road comedy, and this one's going to be, you know, I like yeah. the idea of taking Star Wars not as a genre in and of itself, but as a temp or as a backdrop upon which to play other kinds of, of, of genres. And I think we saw that with Andor, and I think that's what's going to revitalize the IP for me is fresh takes, fresh looks at the universe, fresh approaches to what this this setting can do for other kinds of stories that take place within it. Because 
you know, I, I, like, I don't know if we need another addendum to the Ray Skywalker storyline. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? I agree. I agree completely. I agree completely. So we'll see if these movies even happen, but I don't remember them getting people up on stage at Star Wars Celebration and announcing, you know, like I remember those being announced in the trades, like the yeah, Ryan yeah. Johnson trilogy and the Game of Thrones things. I don't remember those guys well, being at Star Wars Celebration. There Maybe were no were. Star Wars celebrations when those were announced. Mm, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. So like uh, it feels basically it feels like they're on the hook for these. You know, like if if these movies don't happen, I think it will be very embarrassing. In a way that that. it happens all the time. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, like, uh, yeah, Danny Boyle leaving Bond, you know, big, big projects fall apart all the time. But I feel like I I, I will say, I I, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, then you don't like trot the people out on stage and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, Patty Jenkins did make that, you know, pretty cringy uh, Rogue Squadron. And then was like, Uh, peace out. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know if she said peace out, but obviously things didn't work out uh, or haven't worked out yet. Maybe they they saw Wonder Woman 1984 and was like, no. But uh, yeah, okay, fine. You guys, you guys don't agree. That's fine. I, I, I think that's it. It's just, um, it, it just feels uh, like you're, you're, you're putting some blood in the, in the work. If you're, for if sure, you're, for uh, sure. if you're putting them on the stage, that's all I'm saying. But anyway, I did, okay, I'm, I'm still waiting for like uh, freaking Gore Verbinski to, 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 to dabble in this universe. Yeah, because yeah. talk about a guy who has made some really interesting movies, and I think would have a lot of fun in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but I hope I have been very clear that I think it's very possible these movies will not happen. Right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've been my bona fides there are are uh, beyond reproach. Like, don't necessarily expect these, but this is you know these are the things they're working on now. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's some of the bigger news out of the Star Wars celebration. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we get to what we've been watching, guys, is did you guys uh, see this uh, Wilhelm scream stuff that happened online? No. Okay. I saw headlines. Do yeah. we know what the Wilhelm scream is? I'm going to yes. read f- from the Wikipedia entry for the Wilhelm scream. The Wilhelm scream is a stock sound effect that has been used in a number of films and TV series beginning in 1951 with the film Distant Drums. Uh, it's usually used when someone's shot, falls from a great height, or is thrown from an explosion. Uh, the sound is named after Private Wilhelm, a character in The Charge at Feather River, a 1953 Western, in which the character gets shot with an arrow, end quote. So... Uh, this is a sound effect that is used in many, 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 many movies, like kind of subtly incorporated into movies as a little inside joke. Um, Star Wars movies, the Indiana Jones movies, uh, the Book of Boba Fett uh, used uh, the Wilhelm scream. Uh, the sound effect is heard in Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill Volume 1, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Transformers, The Incredibles, Toy Story, Cars. You know, like it's used in many, many film franchises. Anyway. Somebody recently was able to identify the actual audio that the Wilhelm scream came from. Uh, this comes from a blog called The Free Sound Blog at blog.freesound.org. Somebody at this organization was able to unearth sound effects from a, a, a company called Sunset Edi- Editorial and identify the actual clip in which the Wilhelm scream is first heard. Uh, here is a series of sounds. You can hear the guy saying, I, I've, I've clipped it so I can play it here. Uh, the clip is entitled Man Eaten by Alligator. <laughs> so here I'm going to play the clip now for you. This is the Wilhelm Scream, the original clip uh, that the Wilhelm Scream is based off of. Man Eaten by Alligator. A man getting bit by an alligator and he screams. Okay, quiet. 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 <laughs> ah! The first one you did up here was much better. 
<laughs> and there it is. Yep, yep, there it is. <laughs> Pretty amazing, huh? My favorite part is how he's coached into it. Yeah, I know, right? He's like, yeah, you did it a little bit higher. You did it a little bit up, up in the register, right? Yeah, the only way this could have been better, Dave, is if this had all been an elaborate prank and you had literally been like, okay, I managed to get the audio of it, and then you had played something... <laughs> Of you doing, I don't would have been funny. After that funny. whole preamble, yeah, basically. it would have been hilarious if you're just like, yeah, ah, you know, you're... yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just kind of, it's just kind of cool. This Wilhelm scream that we've heard in like dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of movies, you know, it all started from that this one guy on a thing, you know, and that's it. Kind of reminded me. I'm not. I'm being a little, you know, it's a, obviously a ridiculous thing, but. It it kind of reminds me of the magic of movies a little bit. Hearing this, you know, yeah. that like mm-hmm. this one guy at this one moment uh in time doing a thing that he didn't even think was particularly that important or would last very long right um the, the now, original recorded meme i guess yeah it feels and like it, the the real hero immortalized you know yeah the the real hero of this though is that director because that guy was going for something <laughs> really going good for something he, knew, he knew he needed he needed more he needed different he needed to find the thing that would transcend the moment and live in infamy forever and he found it. He did it. He got the guy. He brought him there. He was, you know, a, a, a lesser director would have been like, yeah, that's fine. You, you, you screamed like an, like an, a crocodile was attacking you or whatever. Uh, but uh, no, not this guy. He, uh, he did not rest until he achieved something that we will all hear forever. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible work. Incredible work. Well, anyway, great job to blog.freesound.org for uncovering that. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to Now, every time you hear that in a movie, you have to think that someone's being attacked by an alligator. It would be a <laughs> well, crocodile, right? Alligators don't attack. Yeah. I, I, the thing that's a little bit uh, confusing to me is that it was named after Private Wilhelm, uh, which is a character that got shot in the thigh with an arrow. But I don't know if that's exactly where it, like, it, I don't think it was, like, taken from that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's named after him, it but I don't sounds, know if that's the one. Yeah, It sounds like it might be literally people making stock no- noises yeah, for a, yeah. a bank of noises. Um, but anyway, so it's named after him. It's unclear if it's actually, like, from that movie, but it's, like, or or that, it, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. They might have just taken that sound and, like, put it into the movie. That's possible, yeah. right? So, anyway, great job, blog.freesound.org, and a, a little bit of film history for you here on the Filmcast. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with what we've been watching right after this. All right, let's get to what we've been watching, folks. This week, all three of us had a chance to watch the new Netflix series, Beef, uh, created by Lee Sung Jin and starring uh, Stephen Yun and Ali Wong as two people who get involved in a road rage incident that then spirals out of control and ends up touching every area of their lives. Uh, All 10 episodes dropped. I have watched all 10 episodes. uh, And I'm curious how (laughs) how many episodes you watch, Jeff? Three. Three, depending on how far are you? I'm about you halfway through. I'm like five okay, or six, it. I think. Got yeah. it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, this a lot of people are talking about this show, and I'll just start off this podcast by saying um, this is a brilliant show. It is mm-hmm. possibly one of Netflix's greatest series ever, uh, and I just think that it's a show where everyone feels like they're firing on all cylinders. The actors are amazing. Stephen Yun is great. I actually think Ali Wong is 
really impressive considering she doesn't have as many acting credits as Steven Yun. She's still amazing in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. The production design is perfect. Uh, just like this is a show about uh, class anxiety, the conflicts between the rich and the poor, and uh, all the sets, all the outfits, all the props are chosen perfectly. The needle drops, which happen at the end of each episode, are taken from 90s hits, and they are all pitch perfect. Everything about the show feels like it's firing on all cylinders, and I think it's great. Devinder Hardwar, what do you think of the show so far? Yeah, totally agree. I think I think it is, um, you know, it's a tour de force for everybody involved, and it is really nice to see Lee Sung Jin like get his chance to basically spearhead the entire series because he's a writer I've been following for a while. He's worked on Undone, Tukan Birdie, uh, Dave. I haven't seen much of Dave, but I know you guys like that. And he was on Silicon Valley, so like he's a writer. I, I've seen his work all over the place. And this is just like a singularly interesting, you know, work of, I don't know, modern life and frustration and how we deal with the rage that we you know, may feel um, every day and how like one small incident can spiral into insanity. But I also think it's a really, you know, fascinating look at um, Asian life in America, too, like across different economic backgrounds, too, because um, one character is uh, Ali Wong's character is very, very rich in a in a very ugly cement house or concrete looking house. I don't know. Um, and then Stephen Yun is this portrait of a guy who is like practically an incel or at least like is very frustrated by his lot in life and seems to blame a lot of people for his problems um you guys have seen the first episode like where do you come down on the actual road rage incident because i think that thing that part is at least pretty clear it just gets well there's no heroes there's no there's no heroes but the guy slamming to back out without fully looking um I encountered that person all the time <laughs> who, who who almost like smashes into my car with my children in the car. And like, um, yeah, I honk. I don't, I don't like throw, you know, middle fingers at people, but that is a deserved honk. Sir. It's a deserved honk. It's a very deserved yes. honk. But I think yeah. it was, you know, basically uh, Stephen Young's character almost backs his car into Ali Wong character's car. Uh, and then she honks at him. That's a deserved honk. I agree with yep. you. Uh, but then she flips him off, and that's really what incites the incident. I if mean, sure, just... but also so, some people need a flipping off. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Some people need. I wow. disagree. Off. I disagree with that. Yeah. But okay, uh, Jeff Kanata, curious what your your take on beef so far is. I am loving the show. I am in. I I, I love how it balances this kind of ridiculousness. The the, the there's a lot of mm-hmm. goofy in the show, and and over the top kind of silliness played against real angst and drama and a grounded sort of naturalism. They, they, both things are at play. And I love when, when shows can pull that off and it's very rare, very rare. Um, but man, I, it is really a fascinating show, a premise that would not have pulled me in, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, I, I started watching the show. It served well, up to I me. I guess on... you're not a Changing Lanes fan, Jeff. Jesus. <laughs> no, or is the slap about that, too? I don't know. I never watched the slap. Sort of. I Changing, Changing Lanes, lanes a in 2000... theaters. Yeah. Changing Lanes, a 2002 film that basically has the same premise starring Ben Affleck and Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. Not a bad movie. Yeah. yeah. Not a bad movie. Not a bad movie. I don't yeah. think I, I don't remember that movie. Um, anyway, I agree with you guys. I've, I've only watched three episodes, but... I am hooked, and uh, and it really feels like this this show is is going places and kind of saying things. But it it's also in this kind of realm of of uh, heightened reality mm-hmm. that I enjoy mm-hmm. very very much. Yeah, it gets weirder, Jeff. Don't worry. Yeah, I imagine. I can see that. <laughs> I can see the tendrils of that. Yeah. 
One thing I really appreciated about the movie is that originally it was going to be uh, the the character that Stephen Young was supposed to go up against was supposed to be a quote unquote Stanley Tucci type. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a middle aged white dude, um, but they got Ali Wong instead, and I think as a result of that, you know, eighty percent of the cast is Asians or Asian Americans, which is amazing. Uh, and I really think they all acquit themselves very well, and um, and there are enough elements of this that feel like. Uh, it's just the right mix of elements that feel like mm-hmm. they're important to their identities as Asian Americans, but also it's a story that I think a lot of people can resonate with, whether yeah. or not you're Asian or not. And they're um, both characters who are like struggling with uh, the responsibilities they owe people around them. And I think that is a very real thing that we all can totally. all kind of relate to. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, Beef, uh, all 10 episodes are available right now on Netflix. It's a brilliant show. Uh, check it out. Uh, okay. I went to go see Air. Uh, I actually did a double header. Watch wow. Air and Super Mario Brothers. I was tempted, honestly, if I had the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the, I went to go see Air at a open captioned screening because that was the mm-hmm. only way I could time it so that I could leave Air and go straight into Super Mario Brothers. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was a pretty cool experience. I've never seen a movie theater with uh, open captions. And I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I watch stuff at home, 90% of the time I'm watching with captions on the screen. Right? I, like, I've at heard. Le- I at heard. least. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. that guy too with, with the kids in the house yeah. asleep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I love the captions. And to see them on the t- on the movie screen, it was like, oh, this is just like I'm watching with captions at home. Very cool. Uh, so I enjoyed that experience. They, they usually only do like one screening a day, and it's usually a very undesirable time. I think I saw it at like 10 a.m. Yeah, you it's know? usually the first screening. It's usually of the, like day. the first screening. So I wish there was a, you know, a little bit more choice there. But hey, I'm I'm grateful that we get that at all, and it was cool to watch with uh, air with open captions. So that I, seems like your big takeaway from air, like, man. Those <laughs> captions really, really rocking it. I talked last week. With, you know, Jeff reviewed air rather rather positively last week on what we've been watching, and I talked last week about how I thought the trailers made it look really terrible because it basically amplified all these kind of moments in the movie that feel like the most obvious moments, like coming up with the name of Air Jordans and that kind of stuff, where it's like, where I, I don't believe that's actually how those names are come up with at all. You know, I don't think it's like one dude realizing, oh, it should be called Air Jordan. It just doesn't really uh, comport with my understanding. Of so the, the trailer is just basically all those moments, the trailer, and, uh, and I, I, the movie looked like it would be pretty bad. Um, but you know, on occasion, Jeff Kanata can sway me. And so I went to go see it because I was like, I I really am curious about this movie. Plus like, uh, I used to work at Amazon. They're the ones distributing this movie. And so a lot of people I know, um, work for the organization that's putting this out. And I gotta say, I liked the movie. I was really, I was really surprised that I liked the movie. And here's why I liked the movie. Here's why I liked the movie beyond just... Uh, be, like much more than a movie like say Tetris, both Air and Tetris are movies about middlemen in corporations trying to figure out how to extract the maximum value out of someone else's work. That's really what Tetris and Air are about. They're about capitalism, you know, you know, unfiltered, unbridled capitalism, and how can we extract the most money from this thing? Um, and for that reason, I th- find them both to be deeply cynical films. And not really movies that are worth, you know, that have anything interesting to say about society or the human condition or anything like that. But 
I would say the reasons I like air come down to three things. Number one, the dialogue and the script are pretty sharp. It's Aaron Sorkin-esque. It's people having nice banter back and forth. It moves along at a really nice clip. It goes down easy. Uh, it's just a, it's just an enjoyable watch, a good sit where you're watching these people kind of, you know, hash out their relationships, hash out what they're doing. Uh, everyone's super charismatic. They're all great actors. So I love the dialogue and just like on a basic level, um, it's, just, it's just it's just a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Um, the second thing is that I actually think it does a pretty decent job of explaining some of the corporate dynamics that are at work here. Um, where mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is to make a bet on a shoe like the Air Jordan is difficult for a company like Nike. Was difficult for a company like Nike at the time. And the movie does a great job of explaining why that is. Like it, it kind of gets into the weeds a little. It talks about their competitors, Adidas and Converse. It talks about how Phil Knight, who's the head of Nike, still has a board of directors that he needs to report to. It talks about how their budget is limited and how difficult it is to get more budget unless you can show results. Like all these things, I think, are really uh, pretty accurate when it comes to trying to create a big change at a corporation uh, that at the time was relatively conservative. Uh, like Nike was. And then finally, you know, it's actually, Air is actually about something, I think, in a way that Tetris, in my opinion, is not about something. Hmm. Air is about, uh, it, it, it presumes to be about basically uh, why it is important that the people who are creating the wealth, the people who are creating the value, why they should be compensated for it. That's kind of what Air is about. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's, it does a great job of of that message. I'm not saying it's like a super noble message or anything like that, but I think it is. A, it, it's it's trying to establish that as its moral, its moral center, and I think it does a is an okay job of that. And it, at least it has something that it is about. So those are some of the reasons why I liked Air. Jeff, does any of that resonate with you as someone who's seen the movie? Very much so. I mean, I I'm pleased that you liked it. I I was really uh, anticipating you not liking it for me. I was anticipating I was not like it either. But yeah. I watched it and I was like, damn, this movie won me over, you know? Yeah, it's, like- it's pretty fun. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I said last week and I will stand by it that, you know, the central question of the movie is like, are we going to pay this guy a lot of money? Yeah. 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 It turns out we are going to pay this guy a lot of money. Uh, and, and that's not a very compelling question, but you're right. I, I kind of came away from last week's um, podcast, kicking myself for not bringing up what you just brought up, which is, um, this notion that I think the movie does very well of, uh, I think something that's very important and very of the now, uh, right now in contemporary life is sort of knowing your worth and being able to stand up for that and fight, fight for what you are worth. And now it is fighting for it in a capitalist system, which has its own injustices that are, you know, really glossed over in the movie like of course there's there's a scene where they talk about how nike shoes are are, are made and how unjust it is and someone a character basically like yeah whatever you know like that's basically <laughs> what they say about it um yeah. but yes uh, I, I agree with you jeff that knowing your worth is like important part of today's society uh within a very unjust capitalist system but yeah yeah but i think that the the the, the you know the takeaway from the movie is that you know the the hero of this movie in this case michael jordan's mom uh, recognizes this moment she's in. And uh, I think the movie does a tricky thing, which is sort of makes her uh, her ability to stand up for herself 
um, sort of transcend the personal and be a, a generalization about how we can all be that. You know, this mm -hmm. this notion of yeah. of how that like her her efforts are a sort of a win for everybody, even though, which is a tricky thing to do in this movie when you think of, you know, Michael Jordan as being, you know, an, an insanely wealthy person today. And, you know, somebody that has been problematic on a number of levels in the past as well, um, to have the sort of a hero moment be like, he got real wealthy, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I will say a couple of other things that bother me. A couple of things did bother me about the film. Um, one of them is, as you pointed out, they don't show Michael Jordan's face in the movie. And that's fine because it's not, a, it's not a movie about Michael Jordan, but it is difficult when kind of one of the climactic moments of the movie involves Michael Jordan and you can't show his face. And I wish they had committed more to not showing his face, but using his voice. Um, like, cause it's, he, I think he has two to three lines in this entire film. And I wish it, it's, it, it's like, fine. If you don't want to show Michael Jordan's face, uh, he it's not about him and he didn't give permission to use his likeness or anything like that. And so that's fine. Like, but I wish that um, they had committed to making him a character or not a character, but instead he's kind of like a half character in the movie. Yeah. You know? I wonder, I wonder if there were any discussions of, of just not having him in the room, Yeah, you know, yeah. which I guess would have been historically inaccurate. Right. But right. Yeah. I, I might've made it for a stronger moment. If literally like, we're not, he's not even here. Yeah, he's he's not out in the lobby there. or something, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's, um, but anyway, he's in the, he's kind of half in the movie. Uh, I, I did read some interviews with Ben Affleck that he did get permission from Michael Jordan to make the movie. You know, yeah. um, he went to Michael Jordan and said, Hey, look, I respect you a lot. And if you don't want me to make this movie, I won't make it. That's kind of what Ben Affleck said to Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan was like, yeah, that's fine. But I have one condi condition. Viola Davis needs to play my mom. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what Michael Jordan said. Uh, which is a great choice, great flex yeah, as well. Well played. And uh, Viola Davis's uh, like real life husband also plays her character's husband in the, sh in the and movie. And looks a lot like Michael Jordan's real life dad. Yeah. I yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. I thought. Yeah. I, don't know, I so, thought it was good, good casting, even. Um, so, but uh, what did you think about uh, the other thing I brought up, which is sort of the, the fact that the movie never pretends to not know the future? Well, that's the other thing about the movie that is related to what I was going to say, which is there's a lot of these movies right now, which which kind of adhere to. Um, have you guys heard of the Great Man theory of of oh, history? Yes. Basically, of right the the idea uh -huh. that it's like that history was made by a series of great men, and uh, I, I feel like we're seeing a lot of movies where it's like, oh, Matt Damon, he's the guy that saw what no one else could see. Hank Rogers from Tetris. He's the guy that saw what no one else could see. And like, oh, if only we had this vision, you know, like this could have. And uh, Air falls into that trap, which is a very annoying, cliched trope. Over, gross oversimplification of how these things happen, in my opinion. Um, but what I like about Air is that it does at least complicate that a little bit. You know, it does at least say, hey, there is a cost to Matt Damon's character just freaking trying to predict who the next great thing is and and betting the company. Like, it costs people things. It impacts people's lives, often in a negative way for Matt Damon to behaving the way he does. And so even though it does use that trope, which I think is way overused and kind of boring at this point, it, it does add some complexity to it. As for uh, the, yeah, and, and it does go over the top on what you said, Jeff, which is these people kind of know a little bit too much about the future, right? Like, that's... That is something that I sense in the movie as well. Um, yeah. There's literally well, a, a monologue where he's like, 
<laughs> you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. You're going to have complications. And it's like showing a montage yeah, of, of like his life. Re- it's like real really? things that you know, happen. You know about all that stuff. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, anyway, like, okay. Uh, and the you're going to try I'll... to play baseball for a while. It's going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I will say is the opening credits of this movie are the most 80s thing that ever 80s it, it, it is yeah it, it was actually like borders on parody because basically Devinder, you haven't seen the movie but the opening credits is like it shows 1984 on the screen right? uh-huh. and then it, it's literally a montage yeah of just i'm not Rubik's exaggerating cube Batman, just 50 50 Leg to 100 things about it. it's like yeah it's like Jane fonda workout just you know? stock footage of stuff from the 80s Non-stop is that the most like important five, year of the eighties? For like, like five minutes, it, it's it's like yeah. it was ridiculous. It was, like the, it was, that yeah. Apple commercial where they throw the sledgehammer yeah, into the yeah. thing. Is you that know, the like, definitive year of the eighties? Probably. Think, oh yeah, it's probably. the most eighties year. It's yeah. also the year I was born, so I'm very close to it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but it, it was that was ridiculous. You know, Jeff, I think you undersold <laughs> how into the eighties this movie is. But it's also. That doesn't stop with just the opening credits. Like there's like transition transition <laughs> shots from one scene to another yeah. where it's just like somebody's desk with a with a like Rubik's cube on it, you know, or, yeah. or something. It, it, it's really it just be it, it just reminds you it's the '80s every few minutes. You know, it's like '80s, you know, <laughs> '80s. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, though, I think uh, air it really delivers in in having like a good kind of draw. I think it's a dramedy technically, but it's kind of a. Uh, uh, lifts the curtain on some corporate machinations in a way that I think is relatively interesting uh, and pretty breezy, and and I ended up liking the movie. So uh, I think you could do a lot worse. Air mm-hmm. uh, is it is, is it worth a theater visit? That's my question. Uh, you know, I don't know yeah. about that. I yeah, mean, I, 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 I here, that here's either. why it's worth it's worth a theater visit so that movies like this keep getting released in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it yeah. is it a movie that you're like you need to have the theatrical experience? I don't know. I mean, um, especially because. Uh, Amazon acquired it. You know it's going to be on Amazon Prime right, at some right, point. Right. You, know? you can so, put the subtitles on it your, at your own house. You don't yeah. need to go to a movie. There you go. There you go. But uh, yeah, I, I had a good time watching it, and uh, I, I would recommend it. It's air. It's available in theaters right now. Speaking of stuff Amazon's made, uh, I want to say, acknowledge that my friend Carter worked on this show that I'm about to discuss. Um, but there's a new show on Freevee, which is Amazon's free streaming service, called Jury Duty. And the top line had the you know, thing I want you to take away from me mentioning jury duty is I think the show is hilarious. It's basically Joe Schmo, the Joe Schmo show or the Truman show where they have constructed an ent- the creators of the show constructed an entire fake trial with fake um, facts, fake defendants, fake jurors, fake judges, fake lawyers, everything. Uh, all of those people are actors except for one guy named Ronald. And so it's a reality show where they're observing Ronald's reaction to everything that's happening around him. That's cool. Now, I, I think when it, casting, it's very difficult for a show like this because what do you, if, if you're going to structure the entire show around Ronald, what characteristics does Ronald need to have? Uh, he can't be too over the top, like, what just happened? You know, because that's annoying. But if he's too low key, then it's not interesting. I think they definitely erred on the side of Loki for Ronald. But what's great about the show is, in my opinion, even if Ronald was not an innocent bystander, kind of, you know, uh, Borat style inserted into the show but without his knowledge, 
I think the show is still really funny. Like, even if he's not in there, it's still a really funny show, in well, my he, opinion. Here's the thing, David. Yeah, the thing that you're, it is the Joe Schmo thing, and yes. which may be a reference that's so old that yes. people don't even remember it. Yes, yes. But that was a, a huge deal at the time. This yes. reality show that was created where only one person was reality and everybody yeah. else was not. Google the Joe Schmo show, yeah, if yeah. you want to know what we're talking about. It was yeah. like, I remember everyone was talking about that show when it was yeah. on. It was, I don't know and what that was. now it's a template for a lot of stuff that's happening, right? You know, the rehearsal and this yeah. and, you know, a lot of stuff. Well, here's the thing about yeah. Jury Duty. Yes. it It's that, but it's also <laughs> The Office. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. making like a full-on The Office or uh, what's that new elementary or, 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 or Parks and Rec. They're Abbott making Elementary. a full-on yeah. yeah. sitcom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A sitcom with wacky characters yes. and wacky pr- yes. and plot lines, full on doing that with talking to the camera and all of that. Yeah. In addition to this guy, unbeknownst guy reality right. show thing. So there are actual s- whole scenes that don't involve our Mark, our guy, <laughs> yeah. Ronald, yeah. Yeah. which is not how Joe Schmo worked at all. Right. Yeah. Everything that happened in the Joe Schmo show is filtered through our Mark. You know, it it, it is everything exists for his benefit to see it through his eyes. All of that here. We are inside a wacky sitcom with (laughs) funny character, like well-written funny characters, hilarious situations. And also there's a guy who doesn't know that it's fake. I know. I know. It's like it's just like an added element to it. It's, it's brilliant. Yes, yes. Because I will tell you, when I first started watching this, I didn't think I would like it. Mm-hmm. I, the first 15 seconds of this, when it kind of like outlines what it's about, I'm like, oh no. Oh yeah. God. This is gonna be cringy and awful. And I'm not gonna I'm gonna feel bad for this person. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah, yeah. ah. But then okay, there are some big spoilers that I do not want to say. I do okay. not want to, and I will not. I I really recommend people going into the show completely blind mm-hmm. because there is a juror in this show <laughs> that mean, he's on the okay. poster. Uh, oh, yeah, I was no, going to say really? his name. Yeah. Yeah. Don't look at the poster. <laughs> I, Jeff, gonna... how will people know to watch anything? You Listen can't go to us. To <laughs> That's how you do it. You okay, just stumble. So we're oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to uh, say who it is momentarily. No. <laughs> We're gonna say who it is, but skip yes. forward if if okay. you're if you're intrigued by this pre- <laughs> yeah. premise, and you yeah. should be, yeah. and you don't know anything about it because it's on Freebie. Nobody knows anything about what's going on on Freebie. Yeah, this is how but, you get people to watch, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. This but, is how you okay. get people to watch is by us telling you to watch. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, it's like he's a guy who's in the. We're gonna say who it is, but yes, James Marsden is in the show as a juror. James Marsden himself. And, it is. He is so. Dude, what is so great? That's it's what. So I, great. I I knew because I was like, I think Jeff is a fan of like actors taking themselves down and not. Yes. Right. Yes. And so this is James Marsden being in a show where he is basically being metaphorically shat upon. Right. Like. Oh, he is. He is. An, <laughs> he's playing an asshole version <laughs> of himself. He's playing an asshole version. Of yeah. And then there's. It's just. It's so. He's but so game. It, like, he's so. I game. don't That's know how they got him to say yes to this. <laughs> well, he's. He's always been a really fun actor. Like yeah. he's always been fun at this Dude, these sort of comedy. He thing, must right? be yeah. friends with the one of the producers <laughs> or the showrunner. Yeah. This had to be a favor poll because he doesn't need the money and like he is <laughs> inside a reality show. 
playing a douchebag. And it's so funny. <laughs> He's it's so, so good. funny how self-absorbed he is and like, well, the things that he does to, to the yeah. other. It, and it's so great. And he's in it. Like there, <laughs> man, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's like a couple of moments in the first couple of episodes where they totally give him an out. And I was like, oh, that was an awesome cameo of James Bond. And it's like, yeah. no, he's nope. still there. <laughs> he's, he's still he's, he's yep. in for the, he's <laughs> in for the whole thing. Yeah, everything, everything you and Dave have been saying is like, oh, this show sounds fun. James Morrison is in it. Making a fool of himself, instant watch. Yes, incredible. That, that incredible. sells it. Dude, <laughs> it sells it for it's it's incredible. This is why we have to you kind of can't believe it adds this whole <laughs> layer of like celebrity, and the way that Ronald interacts with him is so funny. And you get and James Marsden is like buddying up to him, and the guy just doesn't get that that wouldn't happen in real life. And it's <laughs> it's great. And, and like they've cast the show with a, a whole bunch of really wonderful. I can yeah. only assume improvisational actors, right? Um, because you know they're they're having to be inside this this uh, bubble of of never being out of character because they don't you know they don't want to be let Ronald in on it, and so, but but the they've created characters that are wildly larger than life, just absurd, but straight out of a crazy sitcom, and they'll have these you know they'll have these confessionals like you get in a in an office or a parks and rec that ronald isn't a part of at all but but we're you know they're in character they're improvising they're doing these funny bits it's really entertaining and i've laughed out loud many times watching the show already i i, I this is a revelation to me because like it, it takes the reality show thing that i kind of hate now yeah yeah and and really just infuses it with so much life and energy and creativity. Like it, yeah, what you're yeah. watching is great, right? Great comic writing, gr and, you know, not, it, it doesn't feel mean spirited to Ronald, at least not yet. I hope not it doesn't yet. get yeah, there, yeah. but you know, it, everybody is, is really good and interesting and goofy. And there's a couple of, I mean, there is some cringy stuff, <laughs> Because it's jury duty and, you know, like, eh. but, you know, there's there, like the, the, the judge is fun. The, the other uh, lawyers are fun. Like the whole show, if you, if it wasn't a reality show would work, it would work as a show. I know. That's what's so interesting about it. It's, it's, it's a show that functions completely on its own without the reality element to it, even though that's the reality element is how they're selling the show. Yes. Right? But yes. It's yeah. It's it's really interesting. <laughs> My favorite part it happens very early in the first episode when James Marsden is interacting with Ronald, and he says, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm in a bunch of movies like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog," and uh, Ronald's like, "Oh, um, you're in Sonic the Hedgehog? I heard that movie wasn't very good." And and he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm in." It. And he's like, "He's like, really? You're in? This is the one with Jim Carrey, right? You're in Sonic the Hedgehog?" And he's like, "Yep, yep, I was in it." And uh, it uh, remind for those who don't know, haven't seen Sonic the Hedgehog. James Marsden is the co-lead of Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. He's yeah. on the poster. He he's is the, the main. Star. He's yeah. basically the main character of Sonic the Hedgehog, other than Sonic. Um, it reminds me of all the times when I have told people I am the host of the Tobolowski Files, and they are like, "Oh yeah, I love that Tobolowski Files show." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm the host." They're like, "Really? You're on that show?" You know, they have no idea that I am on well, that show. At all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen Tobolowski. <laughs> Is to Sonic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am the James Marsden to Stephen Tobolowsky yes, Sonic. Yeah, 
and uh, no one knows. People that are I host showing up for Sonic. They're not showing up for that <laughs> dude that Sonic knows. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Jeff. Maybe, maybe <laughs> one day you two could be Cyclops and X Men, Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's even better than you described because it's a whole scene where he's just like fishing for a, how he might. He's like, "Oh, dude, you're an X Men. That's how I know. I know you yeah. from X Men." Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, no, no, I've been a lot. You know, a lot yeah, of stuff. Been a lot of things. Uh, you know, Westworld. You know, Westworld. You know, yeah. He's like, I've never yeah. seen any of this. And, and he goes, "Oh, look at that lady's socks. I, they're kind of blue. I thought they might be Sonic socks. I was in Sonic as well. You know, it's, it's so." <laughs> <laughs> it's so great and cloying yeah. and yeah. funny and like he does that throughout the whole show is just how like he's playing this version of a hollywood big time hollywood actor who needs constant positive reinforcement it's yes. very funny it's, it's awesome. very yeah. funny so yeah, anyway. i feel like the only risk for a show like this what if you get to the end right they reveal it to the guy and he's just heartbroken yeah right like i, I, I thought oh, yeah. i made friends for life in this room I, I, then you all just <laughs> there's no universe me. where you don't get heartbroken right yeah that, you've been I, had for that, weeks that, at a time that's what i'm so curious about that like like that is a huge thing driving my interest too is like i want to see what his reaction is <laughs> see the moment his heart breaks when he yeah. yeah when he learns it was all fake you know yeah so unfortunately anyway. the only way around that is things get so out of control that you it becomes a relief yeah, it becomes that it was obvious. A, mis, yeah. it becomes a relief that it's a mistake yeah. that it was a fake because you know th then you then you you don't feel bad you're just like oh my god thank god this was not real right right you know yeah we'll see uh, but we'll that's see. that's the danger <laughs> jury duty is available right now for free on freebie anyone can watch it cuz it's available for yeah. free that's why you it's called ads. freebie you got to watch it you get ads Dude, uh, the first I, four episodes are out right now it's it's going to be released weekly until i think i think there's probably uh, eight to ten episodes, but yeah, go ahead, Jeff. What are you ads, no fun. I'm so used to not watching ads at this point that being forced to watch mm -hmm. ads on freebies. Yeah, like, freebies yeah. a weird thing. Literally, where else can I watch too. this, please? Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. going to be eight episodes, uh, uh, and the first four are available now. Do check it out on Freebie, uh, which is available wherever you download your apps and watch stuff. So, uh, and that is what I have been watching this week. Let's take a quick break for our sponsors. We'll be right back with more what we've been watching right after this. Devendra Hardwar, what have you been watching this week? Oh, I want to quickly shout out a movie I talked about a couple months ago, actually, at Sundance. It's called Rye Lane, and it's out on Hulu now. came out on mm. Hulu on March 31st. And this is a, sort of like a before sunset type movie about two young people, uh, you know, meeting, you know, just kind of bumping into each other in South London and going on sort of like a, a whole day together, sort of becoming friends. They're both like nursing um, their own breakups and becoming friends and getting into each other. And I think this movie rules. It, it is fantastic. It co-stars uh, David Johnson, who's in industry, and we've talked about him. He's fantastic. And Vivian Opera. And they're both like, this is such a unique movie, right? It is beautiful. It is super colorful. You don't typically see a lot of color in a, I think, a movie set in London, to be honest. And it's set in a neighborhood that's like predominantly like Black Caribbean and there's just so much life and vibrancy to this movie. And these two characters, um, I think they're just super lovable and you totally like get them. And I think this, if, if you've been looking for like a rom-com or a rom-com level type thing and something on the level of a before sunset, I think this movie totally fits the bill. Um, there's some genuinely great sequences here and pretty much every character is really interesting and funny. So I, I think it's worth checking out. It's Rye Lane. It's on Hulu right now. Very cool. Check out Riley on Hulu. Jeff Kanata, what else are you watching? Well, uh, in addition to the things we've already mentioned, I eagerly returned to one of my favorite series on FX on Hulu. Uh, it is called Dave, and season three has just started. The first two episodes of season three are out. 
And this show continues to be, in my opinion, a work of genius. I adore this show. This is about the rapper, uh, Dave, who goes by Lil Dicky in the show and, and raps about how small his genitalia are. Uh, dude, this show has been so many different things over its short run so far. It has, it, it dares to be uh, interesting. It, it dares to throw its lead under the bus and make him a, a, a terrible human being. As we enter season three, the season one is very much about him trying, you know, believing that he is the greatest rapper who ever lived and, and trying to convince other people of that and, and starting from nothing and trying to get his first album and his first record deal. And season two had, you know, he, he was doing that, but he kind of had writer's block and was going through some awful things. Season three starts with him being the biggest rapper in the world. And everyone knows him. Everyone knows his songs and dealing with that and, and what fame does to him and, and, and trying to find sort of genuine love. It also starts, the first episode of season three starts with a rap music video that is hilarious and amazing. Episode two is a absolutely mind-bogglingly brilliant in that it is a thing and the making of that thing at the same time uh, it, it, it's absurd how creative and outside the box, like every episode of the show from episode one has been different. You kind of never know what you're to expect when you get into another episode, but they're all, in my opinion, very interesting and satisfying and usually hilarious, very raunchy. It's a very raunchy show. Um, as you might guess from a character, the main character being Lil Dicky, but I just, I'm enamored with Dave. I hope the show continues for many more seasons. The first two episodes of season three are phenomenal. I can't recommend it higher uh, if you're not turned off by that sort of raunchiness. But man, I love Dave. I love it. And I can't, I'm so glad it's back. I choose to think whenever you say Dave, you're talking about me, by the way. Um, yeah, no, don't, but don't be confused. Too, too much praise. Yeah. That's yeah. how you know it's not about you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks. Um, one thing I think is interesting about both Dave and Atlanta is... Uh, they spend a significant amount of their early seasons with the character striving, you know, yeah. trying mm -hmm. to yeah. achieve something. And then I think at some point, the creators of the show realize, hey, uh, the, they've reached the limit of the number of interesting stories they can tell with that premise. And they're like, let's now fast forward, the person's super successful, and yeah. let's now explore uh, stories in this territory. Um, and I, uh, I just think that's interesting. You know, a lot of shows have had that arc, like Breaking Bad had that arc as well, you know. Um, but I just find it interesting because I guess I'm used to like, uh, you know, old school episodic TV where it was always, it, they never left the strike. They maintained Gil, you know, the status Gilligan quo. Never, Gilligan never got off the island kind of thing, yeah. you know. Can't um, change the status quo because yeah, yeah. the show is not the show. But right. yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, but this show will have whole episodes where the main character isn't even really in it. It's about side characters. Yeah, it, yeah. They'll, they'll do really big swings, really, you know, fascinating takes. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's it's brave of them to you know be willing to show him as an awful human a lot of the time you know that there's no like sugarcoating this character or making him more palatable like he's he's a douchebag often and you know it's it's dude i just think the show is so brilliant it's it's so smart it's so so funny and the rapping is great you know indeed all right well that's dave and it is streaming right now on hulu or fx on hulu as i think it's probably called uh let's get to weekly plugs we're gonna do weekly plugs 
Weekly Plugs is part of the show where we plug something else we've been making. Uh, I am launching a new podcast, but kind of not really. Uh, I am launching a new podcast that is going on the existing Decoding TV feed. It's called This Week in Streaming. Exactly what Um, you need, Dave, another podcast. Yeah, Yeah. indeed, indeed. Um, (laughs) It's called This Week in Streaming. And uh, first of all, I I just want to say, I think in general, we're going to see larger organizations combine feeds more as time Mm -hmm, goes on. mm -hmm. Like, I think... The idea of launching a brand new feed for something just doesn't really make sense yeah. anymore. That serial um, feed is just sitting there. Yeah, it's not it, doing it, much. It doesn't. It's, it takes so much work to get people to subscribe to a new feed. So uh, I am, you know, doubling down on all the feeds I already have. One of them is over at the Decoding TV podcast, uh, and we are talking about this week in streaming. Uh, this week I chatted about beef with Sedanta Dlaka, and you can check that out at podcast.decodingtv.com. Devinder Hardware, uh, you had a this week in. Uh, yeah. podcast as well right i also had it this weekend so uh leah laporte is on vacation this week uh, this month actually so i hosted this week in tech what and, uh, yeah it's fun it's my second time doing the main show it, it was a blast we talked about ai and elon musk being very dumb but yeah go check it out it's episode 920 20, 922 ai hustlers and the guests were nicholas de leon who from consumer reports he's super cool anthony ha a dude who was on this show at at some point i used to work with him and doc rock from youtube so you know great great show go check it out i've said this before uh but and i, I don't want to embarrass you devendra but I, uh-huh. I i remember when we were in college together and uh, you you watching this week in tech and pointing out like hey yep, this yep. this is like this is a great tech show and well th- it was th- it was th- listening back then because it was just right. just audio, one of the first right. podcasts th- this right? is a great yeah. tech pod this is a great version of a tech podcast yeah. and like boy one day it would be cool to <laughs> make something like this now there, there are definitely freaking, instances you're Dave. hosting it dude hosting it's amazing it's great it's great I mean Dave there are instances where both of us were in college we're like this thing is cool. We'd like to like talk to this person someday yeah. and like we're, we're doing some version of that. So that's cool. Go yeah. us. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just cool that one, you know, you were a complete unknown to those people at the time. Now yeah. you're hosting the podcast. So anyway, this week in tech, check it out. And, and congratulations to Devendra. Jeff, uh, what's your weekly plug? I agree with everything you just said. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I listened to the episode that Devendra hosted this week. Oh, and it was you. very good. Thank you. Um, I also have started a kind of a new show on an existing feed, Dave. Mm, um, yeah. uh, we started, you know, I, I realize I love reading. I love mm-hmm. reading. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. I love reading. And I don't really do content around it. So uh, we started the DLC Book Club. Uh, Lana Bashinsky, who is a regular contributor on DLC, we, she's on our Wednesday show uh, and has been on the main show many times, uh, is a friend, is awesome delightful human being and a reader. And so she and I are teaming up and doing the DLC book club. The first episode is out and we are tackling a fantasy book series that I have been wanting to read for no exaggeration over a decade. Uh, It is called the Malazan Books of the Fallen. These are by Steven Erickson. The first book is called Gardens of the Moon. Uh, These are uh, widely regarded by, by many, many people as the best fantasy series ever written. 10 books, but they're also uh, regarded as being difficult to get into. Uh, specifically, that first book, Gardens of the Moon, uh, many people uh, think is uh, dense and, and off-putting and, and hard to wrap your head around. So I thought, what better way to you know force myself to keep reading and, and get into it than by creating content around it? So we're doing the book club. We're reading that first book together. And the revelation of our first episode, 
you know, no spoilers, but uh, is that the books aren't that off-putting. They're, the first book's great. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, and the first half of our first episode of DLC Book Club uh, is no spoilers at all. Is We don't even really talk about the book. We kind of talk about our reading life and, and how we approach books and, and uh, why this series and what our expectations were going into it and all that stuff. It's really fun. In fact, Steven Erickson himself commented on the video, which I'm really wow. proud of. Whoa. Um, yeah, I kind of gave his uh, seal of approval, which I'm I'm really, really pleased by. Uh, and I will tell you, Dave, like, like you mentioned, this is uh, an existing feed that was just sitting there, i.e. my YouTube page. Woo! <laughs> YouTube.com slash Kanata Jeff. Uh, and uh, boy, it's fun uh, seeing a bunch of people comment on your video like, hey, I didn't know you were still alive. <laughs> <laughs> or even better than that what happened to you you are so gray that's my this favorite is the one. problem with letting people see us jeff yeah. yeah well it's the problem with not posting a youtube video for many years since i had children and yep. uh this, and is, this is very well, brave I of you think, yeah. i also think people are rude jeff like i you know <laughs> that's not cool to say. like i've had it's those cool. comments before for me as well and people uh -huh, are just, uh -huh. people are just rude what, what did i just say some people deserve a middle finger and <laughs> those people do okay i'm just glad they're there and they're still subscribed to my i mean they didn't unsubscribe after all these yeah. years nobody they sat there patiently waiting yeah. one guy my favorite comment that i got i'm gonna put this person on blast one guy was like <laughs> hey you could have been doing videos this whole time you're lazy he called me lazy <laughs> He said you've been lazy, which let's be honest is accurate. You don't produce enough content. Yeah. It's accurate. Oh, clearly. Yeah. If but, there's uh, one thing about Jeff Kanata, it doesn't make enough content. Doesn't you know, make enough content. Kind of... Jeff, I have to say, this is brave because books are like the the hardest thing to build content around because it takes time to read. Yeah. Oh, so I long. expect I think it's so man, hard, yeah. I yeah. expect uh, ones of of viewers. You know, we <laughs> we're not doing this for any. Mm -hmm. uh, monetary expectation or, or even, you know, viewership. I'm literally doing it to make sure that I keep reading and don't mm -hmm. slough off. Uh, and it's been a delight so far. I, I sort of secretly harbor the, the desire to be a booktuber. I watch a lot of booktubers. Uh, mm. these are people that, that talk about books on YouTube. Um, and I, I, I don't know how successful any of them are, frankly, but you, you got to get it to a point, Jeff, where you're live streaming, you reading a book. <laughs> and I feel like that's winning. That's winning YouTube content. It's just you in, in a corner chair, just silently flipping pages. You laugh, but there are people that do There that. are people who do it. I know. I'm like, that's, I do want to read. This is actually not a bad idea. Yeah. 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 Book, book talker. You could also be Jeff. Uh -huh. that's, that's, that's also available for you. So anyway, it's, I, I'm proud of the first episode. I think it's fun. And I'm, I'm excited by how many people are like, yeah, I'm going to, I got the book from my library or I bought it on Kindle nice. or whatever. The first book's like eight bucks on Kindle. You know, it's, it's a pretty low barrier of entry. And yes. Jeff Kanata moves product. Is I'm trying, what baby. Are, uh, hopefully Steven Erickson thinks that, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I love reading and I don't think I, I wish I did more of it and I want yep. to force Same. myself to, you know, you know, I recently, uh, did I tell you guys about the neck light I got? I think I told you guys about that. Right? You did tell us about the neck. Yeah. Light. Yeah. Uh -huh. That was a, it was a big, you know, I, I haven't used it very it's often. It's to light up your neck. <laughs> you, were, you thought your neck was too dim is what you're saying. It's okay. One of the big problems in the Pacific Northwest is it's freaking dark most of the time, right? Like there's clouds most of the time. So that makes it hard to read a book using natural light. And I don't have like super bright lamps in the house. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, how am I going to read a physical book? Are you talking about during the day? That's how it is up there? Sometimes. <laughs> Good God, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, also, also like during the winter, uh, uh-huh. you know, it, we only have like six hours of daylight, basically. You know, so it's like, um, <laughs> and often, often it's not high quality daylight. You know, that's what I'm saying. Is it's often cloudy. So uh, anyway, I, it's this light that you put around your neck. It like wraps around your neck and it directs light at the book. Have you considered mm-hmm. a backlit Kindle? Yeah, paperwhite or any. E-reader. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. here's the thing: is yes, I have those. Uh, you know, I have an iPad Mini and I have all that stuff. But it's like, um, there's something about reading a physical book that's really it's great. True. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's I agree less with that. distracting. It's less distracting. Is um, is the greatness of reading a physical book? Check my, I can't just check my Insta. You well, sure. I'm saying get the Kindle or the the Kobo, which is what yeah. I'm using now. Like then you you can't can't do anything single use device yeah and they have backlights yeah um you know they did this study a long time ago that was like if you read a physical book you actually retain more of it than if I you read a kindle that. version i would of believe it. that there's, like, something, you're, you're, there's yeah, something yeah and i you know that i read that a long time ago i don't know if it's if they've done mm-hmm. subsequent studies but it's like there's something about physically turning the page and like physically getting to the end of a book that yeah. like you know, is meaningful. Absorbing all those molecules yeah. of paper in your nostrils, like it, right. it helps. It all yeah, helps. Exactly. Can I tell <laughs> exactly. you something? I love my Kindle Paperwhite. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. And I would not, the thing that is, is frustrating to me is when I have this discussion, people just lump in reading on an iPad or reading on their phone. Not God, the same. God forbid. Right. I, yeah. I, I agree. It's, car- it's, it's qualitatively completely different. Completely different. Yeah. Completely different. And I, I, I love e-paper. I think it is, you can read in bright sunshine with e-paper and it's like reading a book. It feels like reading a book to me. You mm-hmm. don't have that, you know, tactile turn of the page thing. And you don't have the, the, you know, seeing your progress as you move. The, but you, the, you offset that with you don't have to hunker, you know, lug around a big heavy book, yeah. and and they have lights and they're waterproof, and yeah, and I can read in the middle of the night with just the thing with no neck lamp or whatever you have mm-hmm. there. Well, I think neck neck light life is good life. Okay, mm-hmm. that's all I'm saying. Okay, um, strongly would recommend. But anyway, Jeff, glad you're getting into books. I think it's a really worthwhile endeavor. Check out the DLC book club. We'll link to everything we've discussed in the show notes. And of course, patreon.com slash film podcast. Sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive after darks. Um, this week, we'll be covering Evil Dead 1 and 2. Next week, uh, the other two Evil Dead movies before we move on into Evil Dead Rises. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. Um, you can always support us for free by sharing about us on social media or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. We really appreciate it. Let's get to our review of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Not sure if you know who I am, but I'm about to rule the world. Wow. Uh, yay. But there's one problem. There's a human has a mustache just like you. <laughs> Do you think I know every human being with a mustache wearing an identical outfit with a hat with the letter of his first name on it? <laughs> because I don't. Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. This is the film cast review of the Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. The story of the Super Mario Brothers on their journey through the Mushroom Kingdom. End quote. That's the IMDb description of the <laughs> Super Mario Brothers movie. It's Mario. What, what else do you need? Can I? Come on. Can I say something right away? Real quick. Just real quick. <laughs> sure. Go ahead, Jeff. I wasn't planning to say this, but you know what? I'm going to. One of my biggest pet peeves. We haven't even in- introduced our guest, but yes. uh, that's okay. Yeah, you're One of my biggest pet right peeves. 
is Super Mario Bros. Bros. Period. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. hate it. Yeah, I hate it. It's like saying, um, "Did you go? Did you go to the dur? You know? No, I went to the doctor. It's an abbreviation. Wow. Anyway, sorry. Did, it's not spelled dr. Period. Who? I don't it's think I doctor. said. I don't think yeah. I said bros. Did I? Did I say bros? No, you did no, not say yeah. bros. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm Jeff is just railing you. against yeah. the system. I'm giving yeah. you approbation, David. <laughs> Thank you for not saying bros. But uh -huh. everyone on YouTube says bros. People are saying bros, really? Oh, Super Mario Bros. The oh, Super man. Mario Bros. Movie. I it it irritates wow. me no end. Wow. Sorry. Go well, ahead. Well, it's okay. I mean, for this episode of the podcast, where we are reviewing the Super Mario Brothers movie, which Thank is, you. I think, uh, <laughs> the lar has the largest five-day opening for any animated film of all time. Uh, I wanted to get a really skilled video game podcaster. So I asked Jeff if he knew any. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us today, he is the co-host of the DLC podcast and the creator of the Consequences graphic novel, he also co-hosted Decoding TV with me to cover The Last of Us. Christian Spicer, welcome back to the Filmcast. It's good to be here with all my bros. It feels good. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Christian. Now, look, folks, uh, there's been a lot of writing recently about The Last of Us. Oh, is The Last of Us the good, the first good you know, video game adaptation? We all know there's been good video game adaptations for The Last of Us, but uh, the track record when it comes to movies, a little bit more mixed, especially when it comes to this particular property. I remember going to see uh, Super Mario Brothers, the 1993 film in theaters, uh -huh. and being completely baffled by what I was watching. Uh, but as we've discussed many times on this podcast, that was the best we could have. That movie, by the way, not currently available to stream anywhere or even to buy on VOD. As far mm -hmm. as I can tell, you can only access it via DVD copies. Nintendo has well, like blinked it out of existence. They did yeah. the Men in Black, like, uh, you know, the magic pen. Doesn't they pulled anymore. a uh, Atari, you know, burying ET cartridges in the desert. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, this with is the, the uh, Star Wars holiday special. This is... <laughs> The original uh, Fantastic Four Corman movie, you know, it's all like, mm -hmm. please, nothing to see here. Yeah, but it was very, very disappointing, you know, to to see that movie because yeah, this it's is history. Obviously, it a huge, something. a huge part of our childhoods, you know. Uh, Super Super Mario Brothers, a character, the video mm -hmm. game, and then to watch that big screen adaptation. Of course, now we have another Super Mario Brothers hitting the big screen. Uh, this time, it's an animated film adapted by Illumination. And uh, with presumably much more participation from the people who created Super Mario Brothers involved this time. So Christian Spicer. I mean, A, I want to start by asking, do we think this entry is better than the last one when it comes to Mario Brothers? <laughs> and beyond that, which is a very low bar to surmount, is it actually a good film? What do you think, Christian Spicer? A, yes, it is 100% uh, <laughs> better than the 93 Super Mario Brothers film. B... I thought this film was absolutely jaw-droppingly beautiful. I mean, every single frame could be a poster. And I am a person who has four Mario posters over their fireplace. Uh, you know, one from one, two, three, and World. Uh, I love the iconography of the franchise. I think what it has done for gaming is, you know, hard to argue against not being one of the, if not the most important video game franchise of all time. And every single frame of this movie could be a Mondo, RIP, Mondo posters, uh, print 
type quality museum piece. Just stunning. Every frame is filled with beauty and love and care for the franchise and Easter eggs. And I mean, it's just popping at the seams. I was blown away by how good it looked on a big screen. The score is phenomenal. The soundtrack, incredible. The plot kind of doesn't exist, but it's also a brisk 90 minutes. Like, I had a great time. My kids and I watching the film, we walked out of it like, that was great. We ate so much popcorn. And then (laughs) as I thought about it, I was like, it's empty calories, much like popcorn. So I feel like it is beautiful, but empty are my, Mm -hmm. that'd be my three word summary of it. But I don't know if that makes it bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Christian, there are years of my life that I sustained my body on popcorn alone. So how <laughs> dare you? I thought you were going to say there were years of your life described as you being beautiful but empty. Yeah. <laughs> no, I never that's achieved actually, that. That's, like, that's actually how I introduce Jeff uh, every time. Um, the, uh, we should clarify uh, that Super Mario Brothers, and Mario in particular as a character, remains incredibly relevant in the world of video games. Not just appearing places but like starring in his own video games that are widely regarded as some of the best video games ever made right yeah. like <laughs> this is not what, a sonic who are you situation speaking to <laughs> well i'm just saying who are you, I'm just making, saying, who are you clarifying that for <laughs> well i'm just saying look Je- jeff, folks who fell off video games yeah, that don't jeff, know okay. that yeah. some people right. might have played the nes mario and they're like oh he's still you know but like i, I don't know that everyone knows what super mario brothers odyssey Come, is jeff, you know, like there was a film there? critic that didn't know what tetris was until they saw the movie and they mm-hmm. write for a national publication, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you Jeff. can't tell. Yeah, Jeff, sorry, well, I, sorry, I just, trying to, just trying to help people. Sorry, F me, right? You know? sorry, I forgot, <laughs> Dave is always, always talking to A.O. Scott. That's uh, his target <laughs> no, audience. That, don't you dare besmirch A.O. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Devendra Hardawar. Sorry yes. about that extremely boorish interruption. Um, what did you think of the Super Mario Brothers movie? Well, to answer the questions you gave uh, Christian, I yes, definitely better than the first movie. And I will say, um, I think this is a great kids movie. I think that's what it ultimately is. Like, it mm-hmm. is beautiful. Um, the character designs, the model work. Like, I was, I was dreaming about the time when I'd be able to, to play a Mario game with, like, this level quality of assets because it just looks astounding and i was also thinking damn kids these days are spoiled because we what did we get we got a grimy uh b-grade sci-fi movie with leftover blade runner sets and uh you know um a very very weird looking yoshi um that the generation that grew up with mario did not really get much because the technology to make it appear wasn't really there unless you wanted just like straight up 2d animation you know we had the lou albano show and that was fun i grew up with that too but yeah, the well, show I'm gonna is. Throw out, I'm going to throw mm-hmm. out Studio Ghibli. Like the, Studio, I mean, yes, it was there. Yes. Like it didn't, you know, it didn't need to be computer generated. The it quality was there. Was I mean, there yeah, but. I'm, I am the, the Ghibli guy. Like I, I totally get it. But that does not happen so much for stuff in America, right? Like you know, it's either and even Disney had like a big dry run of animation until like what Beauty and the Beast and Latin and everything. So. I, th- I think for what it is, this movie is a ton of fun. Um, I'm still trying to drag my daughter to see it because she's never been to the cinema. And I I know she'll like it. Like, I know she would. This is like the perfect introduction to gigantic screens and the movie theater experience. I am, I'm going to get her there. But I've spoiled her at home because we have like, you know, the, a projector in the basement and a big TV upstairs. So she literally told me I only want to watch movies at home. 
and my, my heart goes broke. But anyway, I, I think this movie. I, I mean, is, better yeah. than I never want to watch movies ever this in general. True. I'm in a better you know? place than Jeff. So sorry, Jeff. Yeah, um, marginally yeah. better. Yeah. But I think everything that this movie has going for it, the score, um, a lot of the voice work is good. I think Jack Black is inspired as Bowser. Like, yes, yes, Jack Black is exactly the sort of energy you want for this. Um, it's unfortunate that Chris Pratt is just like a nothing burger in this movie, especially after he did such a good job in the Lego movie. But here's the thing. When I went to review this movie at Engadget, I, I did have to step back and think like, man, there just really isn't much going on with this movie. And we have also been a little spoiled with like transcendent kids movies lately. So like, yeah, the Lego movie, which we reviewed and we've talked about, and I believe we all love. And yeah. that movie hits on multiple levels. It It is heartfelt. It has statements on like, you know, how, how you conform to society or the benefits of not doing that uh, on capitalism. It is a very, very deep movie. It's about Legos. And this movie is not. This movie is so surface level. It, it You could almost, I feel like I could see Nintendo executives just like sitting behind all the artists and the directors and everybody working in this movie and be like, no, no, no. That's not going to happen. We're not we're not going to go too crazy. Everything has to be constrained to the Nintendo way. And I love Nintendo. I grew up with Nintendo. But the thing about Nintendo is that they are very, very slow to modernize. They don't really take chances. And this movie doesn't take any Mario level leaps. I think that's the main thing. It is such a safe movie. And I enjoyed it for that. But it could be more. I'm hoping Nintendo at some point like feels a little braver to let artists like have maybe a little more leeway with their properties. I'm sure they were uh, afraid of like a repeat of the first movie. So I can understand why, but there's going to be a sequel. I hope Nintendo relaxes a bit because Jack Black could have gone harder. You know, there, there is a, there is a sequence in this movie where I'm like, you, you could, you could have more fun with this. You could go full on Fury Road in some parts of this movie. And even Moana did that, you know? So I feel like creatively this movie is really constrained, but for what it is, I enjoyed it. I just want to jump in real quick and say I think Nintendo as a company is pretty brave. I think mm -hmm. in this movie is very safe and I think probably reacting reacting to 93. But Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a very creative and brave game for what that franchise was. I think Mario Odyssey which we talked about, you know, they've pushed boundaries with a lot of their games. Kirby every iteration is something new and zany. The DS, the 3DS, like the Wii. I think Nintendo pushes boundaries oftentimes in games. But I agree to venture that in yeah. adaptations, it's usually kind of what you expect. And I think it makes sense now coming from where they were. I mean, there was also a god-awful Legend of Zelda CDI <laughs> yep. cartoon, and they haven't touched that franchise since in terms of mm. adaptations. So yeah. mm -hmm. I think they're risk-averse there. It's Nintendo knows games. I totally, totally get that, Christian. Like, they do take risks and chances. But when it comes to, like, hey, uh, online gaming dragging mm. their feet into that. Like anything <laughs> new, anything different and modern. Like Nintendo is takes the slow and steady road. And I admire that some of the times, you know? Yeah. It, it's it is interesting that they've had basically two adaptations or two kind of things that are widely regarded as like the Super Mario Brothers and then the Zelda CDI game, which were like widely regarded as really terrible things. Now Zelda, I, I don't think we've seen any attempts at a Zelda remake recently, right? Or a Zelda adaptation anytime recently. I mean, if something's no, going to happen. Biggest yeah. five day opening ever says we probably will yes. now. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. indeed. It's, just, it's, it's just money on the table. Metaphorically, just money on the table. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Super Mario Brothers. I guess you could say my thoughts on the Super Mario Bros movie is best summed up in the form 
of a limerick. In reviews, I'm an honest broker. I try not to be a provoker. The film did what it should, but does that mean it's good? Perhaps it's a me, Dioker. Wow. That's, that's really well done. Okay. <laughs> okay, I mean, that is brilliant rhyming yes. well, broker, well broker with mediocre. That, that's, that's pretty amazing, Jeff, I have to say, okay? Thank you. That's, like, really well done. Also, Jeff, while you were saying Super Mario Bros., it, it occurred to me, maybe um, Super Mario Bros. is a sentence and then movie is a separate sentence. You ever think about that? Um, because it has a period. It's a period. Right? <laughs> Super Mario, <laughs> it's not Super Mario Bros., period. Period. Movie! movie. <laughs> Should be a question mark. <laughs> so maybe yeah. it's not quite as an objectionable as you think. Maybe it's not an abbreviation. You know, the you know only I mean? way I'll accept that, David, is if movie has an exclamation point after it. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> All right. So, so you were the thing. Thing. I, ag- you were I agree thing. with yeah. a lot of what Christian and Devendra have said so far. I went to see this... Uh, with my son, we we were we had the apparel. He had yeah, a Mario, nice, I had a Luigi. Nice. We, uh, my son, as I have mentioned several times here on the podcast, uh, is the world's biggest Super Mario fan. I mean, he is obsessed with Mario in every facet. And what uh, is what is the primary sort of uh, medium through which he consumes Mario Brothers stuff? Is he like playing well, the, the games Switch and yeah. YouTube? Right, he mm. watches. I mean, we watch. It's hard, I think, for uh, anybody that's not seeped in this to understand the the level of content that's available. Because when I say YouTube, you're probably thinking, oh, you know, Let's Plays, people playing Mario games. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that. But also, there is an insane amount of just copyright infringement mm-hmm. content on YouTube. <laughs> they they uh-huh. do these things called, um, um, oh, what are they called? Um, uh, like Mario, would you rather? Where it's yeah. like, or these these exercise exercise the exercise videos things are great that are yeah. built around uh, IP that aren't owned by the people creating them. So it'll just be like, or the thing we did last night for hours on end. Talk about Christian. Talk about um, how every frame of this movie could be a poster. We literally watched fifteen minutes of a YouTube video that was literally showing you frames from the Super Mario Brothers movies that like presented like posters that had been uh, edited slightly and you're supposed to find the the mismatch. You know, it's it's the, uh, what do they call them? Eagle eye puzzles or? or uh-huh. Yeah, like something is different in the, in yes. the image. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, but all Mario themed and you're just taking images and somebody, you know, edits out a button on somebody's uh, overalls and you have to find, oh, that one doesn't have the button on it. Endless amounts of content doing jumping jacks uh for 10 15 seconds because mario is jumping up and down on the screen like that's good stuff for kids to get them moving man dude we do tons of that stuff so it i mean there's just so much mario in my life my son loves it he he reads he reads up on the characters he has mario lego he's all about the mario lego he builds the playsets he knows all the characters one of the funniest moments in the movie for him was when Bowser didn't know the name of one of the creatures in the world because mm-hmm. it's so obvious that they're spikers <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, so, yes, I watched this movie through my son's eyes and he was delighted. I will say in spoilers, 
specific moments he loved. But I mean, there was literally a moment where he turned to me and like shook my arm next Aww. to him and was so excited that something was actually happening on screen. That's lovely. So it's hard to look at this film with a critical adult eye because that is the audience that this movie was created for. Like my mm -hmm. son, he cannot imagine a better movie. I kept asking yep. him, could you imagine yep. it? Is there anything that they, it didn't do that you wish it had? No, 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 no. You know, it, it, for him, that was the, the ultimate expression of Mario in a movie. But like Devendra and Christian have already kind of explained, the law, and I walked out of that kind of on a high, like, well, mm -hmm. it's, you know, humming yeah. the song and, and, and just like, you know, feeling like, oh man, my son had a great time, yeah. but you literally post-credit teaser and everything. You get everything. Oh, it's great. Expect, it's yeah. great. And the movie, like Christian said, is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it, the color palette is vibrant and, and it pops off the screen. I saw it in Dolby vision. It was spectacular. Mm -hmm. And you kind of walk out of that movie going, yeah. And then if you spend even a half of a moment thinking back on it, <laughs> you realize it isn't anything. It isn't anything. It is a series of family guy-esque, like, hey, <laughs> yeah. do you remember that in the video game? Do you remember that you can do that in the video game? We all grew up, children of the 80s and 90s, we, mostly 80s, we grew up with TV shows like Transformers and G.I. Joe and, mm -hmm. and He-Man and She-Ra and Jim that were basically advertisements for the toy, right? Trying to generate any kind of interest in the toy. They, would, they mm -hmm. existed as, because they were the primary medium that you would access this IP and it would funnel you to purchasing the toy. I feel like the Super Mario Brothers movie is the exact inverse of that. It is literally just, you already love the toy. Mm -hmm. Here is that repackaged in a Pristine. differently consumable yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it is, it is prettier than the games. Although one of the big takeaways for me is like, we, this could be ours. This could be soon, us. soon within this a could decade. Be us. This will All be you got to do Nintendo is literally make modern hardware. And we, <laughs> this could be us. Um, <laughs> it's good. It's prettier than the, than the, than the games, but content wise, it adds absolutely nothing. And it's, like it's Mario, it's the first Super Mario Brothers, content-wise, plot-wise. Yeah, I mean, going may, stage maybe to stage. it adds yeah. a little bit you, you of You mean like, the original NES game, Devinger, yes, you're saying? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, sorry, go maybe ahead. Maybe it Jeff. adds yeah. a little bit of outside-the-world context, you know, outside the mushroom, yeah. outside the yeah. video yeah. game world. Yeah. You get a family, yeah. And I kind of wish we got more of that. But ultimately, you know, Devendra, I too was reminded of the Lego movie, mm -hmm. it was my number one movie that year. On our top 10 list, I put Lego movie number one. And it that movie showed that just because you're making a toy tie-in film, you don't have to set your ambition low, right? That movie yeah. was transcendent. It spoke to me. It was powerful and introspective and so beautiful and also goofy and fun and had you know easter eggs and stuff for toy lovers and people who are super into lego it did it all it did everything this movie could have been that but never attempts to it never has that ambition it only just 
wants to give you the things that you already love mm -hmm. held together by bubblegum and shoestring. It's, there's no, like if you knew nothing about the video games and you went to see this, the movie would make no sense. <laughs> There's no reason why anybody does anything. It is like, it doesn't make any sense that Bowser is in love with Princess Peach. It doesn't make any sense that they go, like the Donkey Kong people behave the way they do. There's, nothing is explained. <laughs> they don't know nothing. about the rich history of Mario and Donkey Kong. There's yeah. no, everything just happens because that's yeah. what we expect because we know this already. There's no attempt at creating lore or story or having one event lead into the other for any reason whatsoever people just introduce things because there's another mario game that has that thing it so saying all that i still agree with you guys like it's a ton of fun yeah <laughs> it, it, it serves it does exactly what it should do which is create the experience that people who already love mario will come away with with a big grin on their face but also it it is super mediocre, I think. It's super mm -hmm. Mario Brothers, but it's super unambitious, kind of disposable, kind of uninteresting. Yeah. And yet it's going to make a billion dollars and my kid's going to watch it 400 times. I, I really wonder what happened with that delay because this was delayed by, I think, six months. So I wonder if mm. what was reworked. It may have been voice work or something, but it almost feels like some some creative chances were taken and maybe taken back a little bit. Yeah, I'd argue it does what it needs to do, mm -hmm. not what it should have done. Yes. Or what it could, could have done. done. Yeah. Could, yeah. 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 I could even, yeah. in my opinion, the worst Lego uh, theatrical movie, Lego Ninjago, does more. <laughs> it takes wow. more chances with mm -hmm. some of the characters. I think it's Kumail who plays Jay. Is it Jay? But like that, there's like the social pressures of high school and like what does it mean to fit in? And you're with an alpha who's not an alpha. Like anyway, by far, I think the worst Lego theatrical but takes risks and chances from what that franchise was as an animated show also. Whereas yeah, Mario is, this is uh, Mario paint, Mario paint by the numbers. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, depressing day when you can say you, sir, are no Lego Ninjago. Um, but that's, <laughs> apparent, that's what just happened here. Uh, and yeah, we should point out Super Mario Brothers uh, had a uh, $377 million worldwide opening, which is a lot of money. Uh, also, Illumination, they like keep their costs down. Like they're yeah. delivering movies at around $100 million compared to $150 or $180 for Pixar movies. Uh, and their movies often make more money. So, what is depressing to me, I, I basically agree with everything you guys have said. Like, there's, uh, I have very little to add. So, I'll say a couple things and then we'll go to the spoilers. But, um, I mean, what's depressing to me about this whole situation is the level of success validates. Uh, the approach to this movie, which is taking no chances whatsoever. Yes. Right? But, yeah. don't, but don't you think, David, you just brought it up as a, like uh, an Illumination joint, which it certainly is. But yeah. don't, wouldn't you say, I would say that is how you describe all Illumination movies. Like yeah. no, the yeah, level kind of. of success justifies their sort of, you know, every Despicable Me, every Minions, all, all of those movies to me are just the lowest common denominator like they they entertain in the moment maybe but they're not well made they're not good they don't stand the test of time they're not classics it, it, it's it, i think that's kind of 
Yeah, it's an of the course for Illumination. It's an illuminate. It's a standard Illumination movie with Mario IP thrown in the mix to like help with marketing and promote it, basically, right? And that's a bummer. Uh, everything you guys have said is correct. Like it could have been better than it was. It could have taken more chances. It is right down the middle. There is nothing in here that could possibly be offensive to anyone. <laughs> Except for the fact that Bowser is kind of an incel, or as somebody wrote yeah. in the comments of my letterbox review, an in shell. Um, but <laughs> anyway. same as it ever was, yeah, for Bowser. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think really this movie can be best summed up as uh, via its title, the Super Mario Brothers movie, or the Super Mario Bros movie, <laughs> however you want to say it. Uh, which is to say, there, there's no creativity even in the title. It's just literally. The title of the game and the word movie appended to it. You it's know, like, uh, this yeah, is the movie yeah. version of the thing you already knew. There's no, when I, we're not attempting to tell any new story of any kind, right? When I have go to ahead. write titles for reviews and stuff, you got to go through like SEO checks. And like yeah. the SEO check is title plus review, maybe opinion. <laughs> And that's, this is the fully SEO approved. Fully SEO title. title. Yes, exactly. It's right. hit the, all the demographics. People know exactly what it is. 100%. Not playing any tricks with people. One thing I will say um, I can understand why people don't like this movie. Um, I think some critics, it feels like they've lost their minds because. I've seen bad kids' movies, guys. I've seen <laughs> so many bad kids' movies. Like, mm -hmm. I. I get it. I we all want movies to try, and we all, especially kids' movies, we always want them to like try a little harder, do a little more. I think this is perfectly satisfying for kids, and I'm okay yep. with that. I have seen things. I have seen the Smurfs movie. I have seen <laughs> what Space Jam two movies. You, know, you can't that, give it extra points yeah. for not being as horrible as other horrible things. I'm not giving it extra points. I am just saying. Yeah, he. Just saying, so this movie has a 56 percent on yes. tomatoes, and there's been a lot of negativity directed at the movie towards. Uh, from critics, and I think Devendra is saying, "Hey, look, the movie's not great, but like the amount of negativity feels a little disproportional, given that it is perfectly fine. Like it's not I offensively think bad. That's like that's just all I'm saying. That's a yeah. fair thing to say. I just think it's hard to have something sitting there like the Lego Movie and even Lego Movie Part Two. Yeah, that that is that recognizes that hey, we're making a kids movie about a product that has been around for generations." And so it can appeal and speak to multiple generations. This movie doesn't care about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it, it's like it, either you, either you like you know watching Mario jump or you don't. Uh, we don't care. You know, I think yeah. I think that's the problem is that we've seen this done, this exact thing, which is taking an mm -hmm. IP that shouldn't really work as a movie, but doing it with charm and grace and introspection and, sure. and you know, all that stuff. Wreck-It Ralph does it better. I agree. Like talk about putting IPs together, like both one and two Wreck-It Ralph. So we have seen this done better many times. Yeah. Interesting to also reflect on like how uh, companies have taken different approaches to video game adaptations. Uh, other ones that have happened recently, Uncharted, Mortal Kombat, and Detective Pikachu, right? Those are just like other video game movies that are in the mix with varying approaches and varying levels of success. Mm -hmm. um, but this one right down the middle, it's a massive success. We're probably going to get way more of them. Uh, but let's get to spoilers. Let's talk about uh, some stuff, uh, some details in the Super Mario Bros. movie. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth. Inconceivable. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. 
Jeff, you mentioned that there were some specific moments that your son really reacted strongly to. What are some of those moments? I mean, the, the moment where he was jumping up and down in his seat and he turned to me and he goes, Daddy, it's rainbow road time. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the, the moment where, uh, um, I can't remember the name of the character, but the character says, uh, we're going to need carts or something to that effect. Is it Cranky Kong? Yeah, yeah Cranky maybe. Kong, that's who it is. Um, and uh, my, I mean, my, my son was, was over the moon. Like, we're about to get in, we're about to get into carts. We're about to race on mm -hmm. Rainbow Road. He had the biggest grin on his face, jumping up and down with his little Mario hat on in the theater. It was, it was joyous. And, and that's why it feels so bad to, uh, you know, to, yeah. to criticize this movie. It's because, like, it does the thing it's supposed to do. I just wish the bar was higher because yeah. it, mm -hmm. it could do all that and do more. Yeah. The, but, the, yeah. That, that, the creation of the carts, that whole sequence where one, one of the apes is just like putting in the little dials that you do for Mario Kart and everything. That's fun. That's yes. actually a fun mm -hmm. way to like show that off. And all the kids would understand that. But then you just get straight to rainbow road, right? We yeah. don't earn rainbow road. Right. You get right to it. I a hundred percent agree. You don't Cheap. even earn carts. There's yeah. no, there's no reason why they should be using carts. Like what it's just, be, it, I, to me, that is the perfect example of what I'm talking about where the movie just goes, you like this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're, we we're going to back we're, to the mushroom kingdom. We'll take the yeah. shortcut. Peach Mario play a round of tennis. Go. <laughs> I, I totally expected that to happen. I expected yeah. them to be some sort of thing where he, you know, they would say like, Mario, you can, you can do anything. You can play tennis or soccer. Or, <laughs> you know. and like, I expected there to be all kinds of references like that. Yeah. But another example of it is how we even get pulled into the Mushroom Kingdom. You know, there's been a million movies where somebody falls down the rabbit hole, right? And we don't necessarily, and even in Alice in Wonderland, we don't have an explanation of, of why the rabbit hole is there. But this movie- she fell asleep, Jeff. It's yeah. been settled. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, th there's no, <laughs> they just have, there's just a pipe and they go in the pipe. It's just a pipe. It's <laughs> not, pipe there's not, I mean, the movie's like, yeah, no, you expect there to be a pipe and that's how you get in. So that's what we're doing, man. Yeah. Don't. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool to see what happens when you go in the pipe though. We've never seen, I don't think we've seen that before, right? Like where they go into the rain, the cloudy nebula place with a. Yeah, you could you be know. crossed into another pipe stream, apparently. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a whole thing. That pipe is also just completely unguarded in the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. Again, I'll wait. Sorry. I, no, you I, have to wait. No, go. No, please. Yeah, Christian, let loose. Let loose. I feel like in, in spoilers <laughs> and in specifics, there are like Peaches a badass. She's a badass. Mm -hmm. And Mario mm -hmm. gets there and can't do it. And they're like, well, you got close enough. Why don't you come? And then they, they're like, we got to get an army. So they go get the Kong army. And they're like, no. And like, well, if you can defeat Donkey and, and combat, you can have it. Mario's like, I'll do it. Peach, Peach do it. Like, does, does Mario just Peach have, like, yeah. ability to get hit? Like, he's dumb. It's like, well, I got to do it. I'm not going to give up because my brother's going to die. Dude, Peach's whole world is going to die. Like, there's no <laughs> Mario's stakes aren't higher than Peach's. But Mario's like, I need to, I'm going to save my brother cut to worlds are being destroyed like it's just it's just empty bowser wants mm -hmm. to kill worlds because he loves peach he wants to either marry or destroy the world or destroy like, either or either or peach. you know and like i just don't i i didn't i didn't get and like the carts i didn't get like we're gonna take a shortcut it's a carts well okay cool it's kongs carts. have carts cool what a cool what a cool in-universe thing that like the Kongs are made the carts, but no Bowser has carts too. Like 
better better cards and different cards yeah. and even the mechanics like really tripped me up like i i've been playing mario since i was five years old it was a definitive moment the when i saw the first mario brothers in my at my cousin's house like that was my first bit of tech my first bit of like true fandom and anything and here is seeing them explain mario actually getting bigger in this movie when he eats a mushroom is just like i don't how does that work? Is, <laughs> is Peach constantly getting bigger? Because she's always bigger than him. Anyone can use them, apparently, but no one yeah. does. There's like a field yeah. of them. Yeah. And anyone the the can only use moral it. lesson that Mario learns in this movie is uh, mushrooms are good for you. And you should also, isn't it weird? <laughs> isn't it weird that the mushrooms look like the people in the Mushroom Kingdom? Like, wouldn't it be weird, weird if you're eating things that look like the the you're people of the place? Yeah. I don't know. I always make my eggs and bacon into a little happy face. Do <laughs> you think Toad... Here's the big question that the internet has tried to answer is, is Toad's like mushroom cap, is that like a hat or is it oh. part of his head? Part of his head. That, it's a fun, that's a yeah, fun yeah. rabbit hole to go down as well. I, uh, I, you know, every, every everything you guys are saying is, is accurate. Uh, I think the movie in many ways is deeply cynical. The message of the movie that we haven't even talked about, by the way, is... People, we are stronger if we are together. That is the, that is the moral of the. That is the lesson that Mario learns. Yeah, um, not a particularly hard lesson because he's just been physically separated from Luigi the entire time. Well, and also but, he says that at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> yeah. he already believes it. There's no yeah. learning of it. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that, yeah. that they're literally like, we're we're gonna be okay if we're together, and then what? We're not we're not together, and it's like yeah, okay, yeah. well. Well, well I guess also, you have to learn that that was actually already true. <laughs> I don't know if they're stronger together. It's just Luigi sucks and needs Mario. Like they both <laughs> touch the power up at the end to beat him. Yeah. But I don't know if Luigi also needed to be punching there, right? Like mm. you'll be okay because you have me. I feel like that's the message. It's like, uh, Dave, Devendra, Jeff, don't worry. I'm on this episode. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. as long as I mean, that's what I was I thinking. Did, yes, I do okay. like that. I did like the idea of, of, of Luigi getting pulled into Luigi's mansion. You know, yeah. I think that, yeah. Was, yeah. that was a clever... You know, yeah. uh, Char Charlie Day is, is good. Like, I think Charlie Day yeah. is whiny Luigi is good. I, I kick and Michael Key. Uh, like, yeah, I, I like I like everybody in this movie except for Chris Pratt. I don't know if you want to talk about Chris Pratt's Mario voice, but there's nothing. There's just nothing there. I don't. I, so you know, weird. I ended up not really minding it. Although I will say, Je Je Jeff Kanata, the the most pro Chris Pratt person on the podcast. <laughs> I am. I am yeah, pro Chris Pratt. It's true. I don't know what I don't know what it is. I just can't be mad at him. You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. he's adorable. Is yeah. he's, he's like <laughs> it's like you and Tom Cruise. I, yeah, I don't know yeah. what it is. I just can't yeah. be mad at him. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> I will say though. And I probably shouldn't. We but each I, have our guy, <laughs> our indefensible guy that we defend. Jeff. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't ahead. defend him. I just, I just. Look, I Michael just, I Jackson like made him. some hits. Okay, mm -hmm. he made <laughs> some wow. hits. Okay, all right, Jeff, go ahead. Finish. <laughs> so your this is the thing I probably shouldn't say, but I, I, I can't not say it. Uh, there is a scene in this movie uh, around a dinner table that I feel like if there was literally any other ethnicity in the world. Literally any other, <laughs> it, the movie would be canceled. <laughs> you know, really, like because of the way the characters are talking. Is that what you're it saying? It is. Like, it's like <laughs> I tell you the stereotypes. You know, it's it's it, you know, it's uh, I you know, I'm not actually offended by it, but it's like this is the kind of thing that we as a culture have decided is not okay anymore. And yet, sure, sure. This movie thinks it's okay for a very specific group of people of which this I'm a member. This entire franchise is built around this one, like, very problematic Italian reference. So it's like, you gotta either lean into it or you pretend it doesn't exist. I guess. And, uh, well, I think they, yeah. do a very, they do a fairly yeah. clever 
job of it, right? Because they have Mario and Luigi in the commercial speaking like super exaggerated accents, and then then they're detached. They're like, "Do you think we went too overboard on the accent?" You know, like yeah, th- th- that well, is a fairly clever way of implementing the family. It. The way the family behaves and their opinions and the way they eat pasta and it's like all of it. Just <laughs> I just ask you to imagine literally any other <laughs> sure, ethnic sure. group. <laughs> Transposing yes. the stereotypes of that group into that scene. Yeah. This and is how, how we would go over in America media, today. This yeah. is how we've had to see media about other cultures shown forever for the past I, several decades. Yeah. So I don't like, disagree. You know, are are I you don't yeah. familiar with what's good for the goose is good for the gander, Jeff? <laughs> well, not, yeah, well, I guess I'm the, the gander. Challenge game was Christopher Columbus, and this is how it is. Okay, <laughs> this I mean, is the punishment. I, well, the idea though that like I don't know. You know, I, I, I agree. I, I, I'm, we're being facetious. I cannot defend it. I cannot. defend it. Okay. It's not like my grandfather wasn't completely discriminated against when he got to this it's country. True. It's not it's like, true. you know, it's not like we're here on the freaking Mayflower, you know? My grandfather <laughs> literally refused to teach Italian to my dad mm-hmm. because of how much discrimination he was getting at his mm. workplace. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not, we're not that far <laughs> removed from this group. This group also yeah. having some horrible stuff happen. I'm just saying. Anyway, but then like in that, but if you extend that out, Jeff, then you'd find the very concept of Mario himself to be probably pretty offensive. Yeah. Which I have said many times. The entire thing is built on. It's Mickey Mouse. He's the Mickey Mouse level. (laughs) It's like, I mean, just imagine any other racial stereotype, ethnic stereotype raised to Mickey Mouse levels. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. bonkers to me. And again, I'm not going to, it's not a huge deal. Like I'm not going to, I don't care that much it just goes now to- you know how we feel jeff <laughs> it's okay it's okay but go ahead yes yeah i think jeff yeah. is you know it's a very reasonable it's totally complaint it's a very reasonable complaint jeff did I you think. guys notice uh, so charles martinet is in this movie and yeah. uh one character is named giuseppe and is that a straight up regular giuseppe like just bringing him into the canon thing that was a that was a video they're they're super the super mario brothers and regular giuseppe <laughs> It's the same. Go look it up. Look it up. It's like oh, an old maybe college humor I'm or something. A, I'm sure my son knows it. It's really let, funny. Let's talk briefly about the voice acting a little bit more. Um, you know, Dimitri asked the question. Uh, I saw this article in The Guardian called Voicing Concerns Are Big Name Actors Ruining Animated Movies? Yep. Um, the Super Mario, Mario Brothers ca- starry cast is the latest in an increasing trend of picking the wrong kind of voice actors, end quote. I thought the voice acting was largely fine. I didn't. I didn't think I it was agree. great in general. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was particularly bad. I, I thought Chris Pratt was not very good, in my opinion. Um, he's the low point of the voice cast, but you know, Jeff and I will disagree on that. I, I, it, what is a bummer to me is a movie like this used to be a showcase for your best voice actors, whoever they are. Yeah. Um, and John DiMaggio was in this movie playing Uncle Arthur, who has maybe five lines. Right. You have like a John DiMaggio yeah. and a Phil Lamar and like all these yeah. people in this movie that are like not well known by to a lot of people. And the thing that's a bummer is this movie was gonna do well no matter. Like I don't think people saw this movie because Jack Black is in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's that's been yeah. the case for many years. Yeah, Ever since true. Aladdin, Aladdin did it right. Robin Williams, love the guy, love the performance, but that was the the watershed moment where now it has to be I recognizable. Shrek. It's, I mm-hmm. say Shrek too, like Shrek. Well, was I think Shrek only happened because of <laughs> Aladdin. Yeah, but, but also, it's but also that was just one yeah. guy. You know, you you don't know who played. Uh, you probably can't name who played Aladdin in Aladdin. That's what I'm saying is like, that yeah. they put a recognizable star that everyone loves in one role in that movie, mm-hmm. and then it became, oh my gosh, look what we can do. Why why can't we just do this with every role? Basically, and they yeah. did. Yeah, and I, you know, this is something I've been harping on for many many years. Yeah. I think 
both things can be true. Yeah. The, it can be great, excellent voice performances from big stars, and it can also be the ruin of animation because mm -hmm. even when the performance is great and these are great actors and maybe even the best actor you could get in that part, there is never a time as an adult who's familiar with these actors where I am, I lose sight of the fact that I'm listening to that actor do that performance. Yeah. I yeah. always have the picture of that actor in my head. Yeah. And that's, I think, a detriment to animation. 100% agreed. 100% agreed mm -hmm. with everything you just said. That's there, like, there Christian, are some... Christian, I'm curious, mm -hmm. like, what you thought of the voice acting in the movie. Well, I think to Jeff's point, I think they also want you to have that for better or worse. Like, yeah. this movie didn't come out with an unadvertised voice cast. At the end, of the yeah. end you're like, oh my gosh, Charlie Day. Wow. Like, <laughs> right. it was literally yeah. image, image, you know, marriage. Yeah. Um, putting but did it, it work together. for you? Did it work for mm -hmm. you? I, I agree with, with Jeff in that it was hard for me not to hear the actors doing the voices. And that kind of kept me out of it. I, I think we've fallen into this, though, outside of just film. You know, there used to be, and there still are some, but there used to be models who were on the covers of magazines. Now it's famous people who are, look fit for the cover of a magazine. You know, it, mm -hmm. is, it is influencer at large, right? Like mm -hmm. everything is a person who is a thing from the thing that you know, doing the thing that you now know, put on the new thing that we want you to know about. And I think, could this movie have been better with better voice talent? I, I don't know. You know, I think the movie delivered again as it as it should have or could have. Um, but I do think it was hard to go in and not see the characters. I mean, they were on late night together, right? Like that was very much a part of it, a very big selling part point, a selling part of the um, media advertising leading up to it. Whereas Frozen... Frozen 2, I believe, the former uh, opening weekend champ of animated films. Yes, correct. Also has a star-studded voice cast, but I don't think that they did the Frozen 1. This is this. Kristen Bell as... Uh, yeah. Uh, whomever, right? Uh, um, I'm, Elsa? I, Manziel. The, the one I, I drew Manziel <laughs> as... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, talk about bona fides, you know? Um, but they weren't using them to sell the movie. And I think Adina Menzel, by the way, is mm -hmm. the name of the Oh, Adina, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't and think... That, that's what you get. That's what you get when you cast these... Because you don't have Tom Kenny going on late night. You know, you don't have, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. these these phenomenal voice actors that do all the animation. You're not going to get them hanging out with Jimmy Kimmel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you do, but there's just not the YouTube clip of it. And I feel bad yeah. I don't know the actor's name, but the voice actor of Moana, she mm -hmm. did do press tour, but it was... I, I know that as, oh... The Moana person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Alihi um, Cravalho is the woman's name who plays okay. uh, Moana. Yeah, but mm -hmm. but yeah, there, there I, are. There, I just you, you're like, right. She's not as big of a celebrity as Dwayne yeah. the Rock Johnson, you know. And so yeah, um, there are a handful of voices in this movie that I think are really well done. Like the the opening scene with the penguins and the Penguin King, who's voiced by Kari Payton, who who has done a bunch of animated stuff. So like he is a legit. He's both a working actor because he's in The Walking Dead, but he's also done a lot of animation. And there are actors who do both. Is you know kind of nice to see more of that. Um, I think the main we need to talk about the music cues in this movie because I feel like that's another failure where at some point they put in temp tracks like in the opening sequence, like yeah, you know, throw in the the Kill Bill thing that we all know, <sighs> and you just keep it in there. That was brutal. I agree. Yeah, that was or brutal. the Bonnie Tyler. This is where we've gotten end. to is that yeah. movies are using songs to reference other movies. Yeah, 
And it's not a yeah. parody kids of know. that movie. Kids know Kill Bill. You know? <laughs> I know. A lot of them. The, the kid I saw at the playground yesterday had to have been six-year-old in a Juice World shirt. Mm-hmm. I bet I bet that kid knows Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> a, kid, a kid leaving my kid's elementary school yeah. and it's a banger track had his phone playing like old boombox style and was literally walking out of school on the Friday before spring break. Again, no notes here other than just uh-huh. the fact that it happened. Listening to Drake's Money and My Money on the Grave. Like okay. at full volume, okay. non ed like they might know Kill Bill. You know, we're they in may a know. I mean, yeah, maybe the kids do know, but I just think it feels lazy, right? It it feels like a Shrek level reference, and the Bonnie Tyler later on too, like, and it will yeah, age, the, the, it will age horribly. Yeah. I think, yeah, like it's gonna, yes. it has already it aged already horribly. is horribly. It's already aged horribly. I think that's so it. right that it's the, the it's like a temp track. It's yes. the filmmakers like we want it to feel like that moment from Kill Bill. And they're like, well, yeah. just let's just use that fucking track, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, you know, Brian Tyler, I think he wrote the score, very yep. talented composer, but what was weird to me was they made a new theme for Mario. Like why, why not? Like when they use the Mario music, it's incredible. I'm just like, yeah, this I is agree. A, there's a, there's a moment in the movie where I, I, I had watched an hour and 15 minutes of this Mario movie. And I was like, this is like, just fine. I I'm looking forward to this movie being over. <laughs> and then there was this massive action scene. That literally lasts for less than 90 seconds. Okay. Yeah. And it's it, you hear the old Mario music, it's orchestrated. It's like, this is amazing. Like it activated this kind of part of my heart that is like in the back corner that hasn't been long dormant for like three decades. And Dave's rat tattooey like, moment. It's my ratatouille <laughs> moment where it's just so beautiful. Like the music is beautiful, and you're watching Mario do all these cool things, and it's like da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, oh, this is so good. And then it's over. And I'm like, why didn't they uh, use the music more or like base the score around the original Mario theme? I'm, I, I'm it, really it is like there are other Mario there themes are refer- and yeah, Donkey Kong themes the in the there score. There are references yeah. to the motifs, but it's like mm-hmm. it's fundamentally, I believe they have a yeah. new theme for Mario. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not as good as the theme that everyone knows. So I, just, I don't know why they did it that way. But yeah. anyway, um, but, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to say was... Uh, I went to a 12:20 p.m. screening of this movie at a Dolby Cinema on a on a Wednesday. So, uh and the theater was completely packed. Yeah. Wow. It was completely full. Bringing um, kids out of school to see Mario. Yeah, I was like what is our kids well, not in spring school break, right? this time? It's yeah, spring break week. I guess yeah. maybe. I guess maybe. But um it was really amazing to hear like all the kids react in a really vocal way to what was going on on screen because what struck me about this was this is a character who obviously was very beloved to my youth. Like I played so many Mario games um, many, many times, Super Mario's one, two, three, like all the, you know, for NES and all the other stuff. And, and that this character has endured like through many, many decades and is still beloved by children today. And that's really special. It's rare for something like that to happen where someone is just as beloved, you know, three decades ago as they are today. Uh, and I really felt that achievement when I was watching the movie. So, anyway. was your was your theater like there were like kids like vocal? Because I, I yeah. was shocked. Like my yeah. theater was also full, and my two kids were with me, and it was almost silent. Like there mm. wasn't mm. laughs, like the yeah. like the, the the jokes, the moments, the things. Like and everybody, you could see all the kids were excited coming out, and kids were jumping up and down, and clearly they loved it. But I was surprised. Like during the film, there weren't moments of. Like hearing them, some, I, I thought for sure I'd hear some kid, as Jeff mentioned, yell like "Rainbow Road," you know, just like 
exude, and it it yeah, no, I got that, I got that, I got got that too. I will say, uh, in a Dolby theater, it's harder to hear because it's so freaking loud in those things. But yeah, Um, so (laughs) I was at like a half full screening at noon on a Wednesday as well, and uh, still, the kids were loving it. So clearly, it's working. It was pretty wild. Jaded LA, jaded LA kids were like, "Huh, Lego Movie was better." (laughs) My dad worked on this. (laughs) <laughs> um the uh the, it was pretty wild to go to the movie theater i went on a saturday at noon with my son and it was i mean every showing was it was all parents with kids and i can't remember the last time i've seen that you know it's it's been actual years since there's been this kind of every kid has to go see it every parent mm. has to take their kid you know it's it's wild because we you know, we through the pandemic and even before that I don't I, I don't even remember the last movie it was like you have to go mm-hmm. uh, so it's it, it was pretty kind of neat to see that you know yeah all right well I think we can wrap it up there Super Mario Brothers movie uh, completely adequate it did its job it delivered on what it promised it didn't do anything more than that and that's a missed opportunity but ultimately still going to make a bunch of money and yeah. at the end of the day it's pretty impressive that Aaron Horvath. And Michael Jelenic made a movie. Okay. Uh, and nobody, nobody show this review to my son. <laughs> I was going to say, your don't, son don't watches, he's going to be like, my dad's such a phony. He was, uh, <laughs> he lied to me. Yeah. He's had, seemed How to have such a great, again? he seemed to have such a great time. He already ever, have known that fact. Do you guys ever think about what happens when your children discover your archives of movie opinions? Uh-huh. Like later on? Yeah. And all the times you've talked about your, you know, Jeff, you talked about your children on this podcast, which has yeah. 100% of the time been in positive connotation, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Um, the, what, the, the thing I'm betting on is yeah. uh, his attention, their attention span will be so low that they won't make it through an entire podcast. No, Jeff, the AI will interpret our shows and like straight up <laughs> deliver the one sentence review yeah, of what it, you it, said. It'll, he'll, yeah. he'll just be able to say to chat GPT-8, yeah. like, hey, summarize 1,000 episodes. times my dad mentioned me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, exactly. exactly. Hey, Christian's kid, I can tell you're sad today. Here's why. Here are all the things your dad said about mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. No, they were all positive, yeah. but we're playing them over a stepped-down version of a pop song from your youth. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. Christian Spicer. A huge thanks for joining us today to discuss the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, where can people find more of your work on the internet? I got a website, christianspicer.com. Uh, links to stuff there. I, I write long form about video games about once once a month or so in a newsletter, tinyletter.com slash christianspicer. And then Jeff and I, if you want you know more video games, uh, Jeff and I host a podcast called DLC that's been running strong for nine plus years, and you can find it wherever you get uh, wherever you get your podcasts and support it if you want, as uh, every show does on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/DLCPod, where we have fun exclusives and bonuses and stuff like that. And dare I say, the Wednesday show that we do with Lana Bashinsky. Uh, definitely breaks expectations of what a video game show <laughs> can wow. or should be. We had a, we had an awesome episode this week. We just recorded uh, last night uh, with Stephen Spawn, who is uh, the uh, senior director of Able Gamers, and they're putting together a, a big gala event. He came on to promote, nice. um, but he's awesome and so much fun. Such a just a sweet guy. Um, great episode. Check it out. Five by Five TV slash DLC is a way to find it. 
You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his new band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. Video assistance was provided by John Barry and Kurt Mega. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, first I want to remind folks that on this week's After Dark, at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, we got Evil Dead 1 and 2, the OGs we're going to be discussing, followed by Army of Darkness and Evil Dead remake next week. All in the lead up to our Evil Dead Rise review. Uh, but what oh uh so what, what are we talking about next week on the podcast uh next week on the show it is going to be the summer movie wager <gasps> 2023 <laughs> version uh the site is not active yet but it will be in time for the the wager uh and uh, we wanted to get this wager in because guardians of the galaxy comes out the first week of may and we're going to use that as the week where we're kicking off summer this Pick is going to be Tom a really cruise movie <laughs> Pick the Tom Cruise movie. This is going to be a really interesting one, guys. Yeah. Because like you have Barbie and Oppenheimer opening on the same day, and it's like great I, double I honestly, feature, Con- yeah, conflicting what, demographics. What are what? Uh, how much money are those movies going to make? Uh, you're going to have to find out what we think of that question when you listen to next week's episode, in which we will do the summer movie wager. Um, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But a reminder, uh, on patreon.com slash film podcast, uh, we got some Evil Dead stuff coming for you. Oh, uh, the theme song closing didn't fire correctly. Let me press that again. Ahem! On the Patreon After Dark, we got some Evil Dead Rises stuff for you. Uh, so check us out there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week right here on the Filmcast. <laughs> <laughs>